County Commission meetings are open to the public. Members of the public wishing to be heard on any agenda item can register one of two ways. Visit registertospeak.broward.org and fill out the online registration form, or scan the QR code posted in various locations inside and just outside the Commission chambers to register on your mobile device. A registration form must be completed for each item you wish to speak on. If you have trouble registering digitally, visit County Administration on the fourth floor for assistance. All speakers must appear in person. No further speaker signups will be accepted after an item has been called. Please show respect for others and refrain from making impertinent, slanderous remarks or personal attacks. Boisterous behavior, including applause, booing, and cheering is not permitted. Thank you for joining us. The meeting will begin shortly.
Nan, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Can okay, you hear good. me? Yep, yep, we're all good. Great. Thank you, Michael Jorgensen. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mayor. Okay, if everybody could have a seat, please. We can get started. Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is the Broward County Board of County Commissioners meeting of Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. And if you could please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. Kim, you want to start us off on this? United States of America, to a republic, which stands under government, indivisible. Thank you. Please remain standing. Um, it's a customary to observe a moment of silence for those that have passed uh, in our county. Uh, does anyone have a, someone they would like to observe? Commissioner McKenzie? Okay. Commissioner Fisher? Okay. Commissioner Rogers? Okay. Okay. Good morning, everyone. It is a sad day for me because I have to recognize three people that we've lost, two amazing educators in the city of Sunrise, Ms. Casanoli from Discovery Elementary, Mr. Saturnorni, who worked for many years at West Pines Middle, and a dear friend, Dion Bryan, with, she's the president of the Kiwanis Club in the city of Lauderdale Lakes. And, we lost her to long-term illnesses. These families will miss their loved ones, and we are touched by their loss and offer our sympathies. Thank you. Thank you, and I'm just, I'm just gonna mention Alexi Navalny, because I don't think that very often in our midst has somebody comes along with that kind of courage and sacrifice. So with that, if you would please. Yes, I'm sorry, Commissioner. I apologize for being late, unless, it, unless this has already been said, um, it has been a, a rough week for first responders. Yeah. Thank you. The, uh, we lost um, two police officers and a paramedic in Minnesota. We've mm -hmm. also lost other firefighters um, across the country this week. Um, there were nine in, I forget the location, mm -hmm. but uh, we need to remember that our first responders you know, place their lives at risk every day and uh, keep them, uh, the f their families in our thoughts. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Rich, did you have anybody you wanted to mention? Okay. Um, with that, let us honor all the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve in our armed forces, both here and abroad, and thank them for the service, and let's have a moment of silence. Mm 
Thank you. Please take your seat. Okay, I want to welcome everybody to the meeting. Uh, Mayor Rich is unable to be present in person due to a recent injury, but I know with the collective wishes here for her safe and quick recovery. Um, in the interim, she will, you will, I see you, Commissioner Rich, and you'll be participating in the meeting remotely. Uh, the music today was selected by Commissioner Tim Ryan, and he picked the redemption song by Bob Marley and a great version of When a Man Loves a Woman by Michael Bolton. Good choices. It had my chief of staff swaying <laughs> and singing. Uh, we have just one proclamation today. This proclamation is to acknowledge Black History Month. Of course, we have a ton of terrific Black History Month programming here in Broward County, especially at our library. It will be presented to Anitra King, who is a community library manager at our African American Research Library. And this proclamation will be presented by Commissioner Rogers, and if you can make your way to the podium. Thank you. Good morning. Good to Good see morning. you. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, our proclamation requested by Commissioner Hazel Rogers Whereas each year, okay, the month of February has been designated as Black History Month and will be observed and celebrated in our communities. And whereas the origins of Black History Month dated back to 1915 when Dr. Carter G. Woodson founded the organization known today as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. And whereas observing Black History Month provides opportunities to increase our awareness and gain a deeper understanding of African American history and acknowledge the centuries of struggles for equality and freedom. And whereas since 1976, every American president has proclaimed February as Black History Month. And whereas this month long celebration provides us with an opportunity to promote a spirit of unity and embrace the diversity that has strengthened our nation. And whereas the national theme for celebration of Black History Month in the year 2024 is African Americans and the arts, which seeks to raise awareness of the influence that African Americans have in visual and performing arts, literature, fashion, folklore, language, film, music, architecture, culinary, and other forms of cultural expressions. And whereas organizations like the African American Research Library and Cultural Center, Friends of the African American Library, the NAACP Fort Lauderdale Broward Branch, the Urban League of Broward County are recognized for helping with the economic, educational, cultural, and spiritual developments of our African American communities and throughout Broward County. And whereas Broward County celebrate the rich history and contributions of African Americans with many historical establishments hosting special events throughout Black History Month, especially at our libraries. A new exhi exhibition, Symbols of Spirits, showcasing the first time Arlick original African mass from the 20th century from two collections the Arthur B. Steinman Collection and the Paul and Mary Rosen Collection, will, which will be on display from February 27th through the 29th. 
Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of Broward County Commissioners that the board hereby designate February 2024 as Black History Month in Broward County. And at this time, I'm honored and privileged to present this to our library, the African American Research Library. I remember purchasing a brick when the library was being built. I remember raising funds for that library. So I'm honored and privileged for the great work that you do. And I love the exhibition for this month. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, and on behalf of Allison Grubbs, our library's director, and Dr. Tamika Hobbs, um, the regional manager for the African American Research Library, thank you all for recognizing February as Black History Month, and we celebrate and recognize Black History 365. So thank you. Thank you. And, and, if, and if, somebody has, if, no, if someone has never been to that library, the African American Library, it is amazing. So I hope everybody gets a chance to, to, get, to go and visit it. Would you like to do a picture real quick? Okay. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Rogers, for that. Um, with that, we're going to start by reading the Tuesday morning memo. Would the reading clerk please read the memo, please? Tuesday agenda memorandum. The following are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are 1 through 35. Public hearing items are 36 through 43. Regular items are 44 through 55. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. Withdrawal deferral substitutions, none. Scrivener errors item number two currently reads motion to approve and authorizing the director of aviation to execute future amendments to, other to the other transaction agreement should read motion to approve and authorizing the director of aviation to approve and execute any future amendments to the other transaction agreement that do not increase Broward County's financial obligations subject to review by the Office of the County Attorney for Legal Sufficiency. Item number 39, the revised proposed ordinance, parent exhibit one, line 23 currently reads, public hearing on January 16, 2024 should read, public hearing on February 20th, 2024. Additional information, item number two, the board's consideration of this item is based on the amended motion statement. Item number 17, signature pages have been received. Item number 39, the board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended by the revised ordinance and attachment to exhibit A submitted as, exhibit one, submitted as additional material. Item number 46, the board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended by the additional material submitted by the Brazilian Environment Department. Mayor's request without objection. Items number 45, 48, 50, 51, and 52 be moved to consent. Please note time certain items, public hearing items number 38 and 39, will be heard immediately following item number 42. Item number 46, time certain at 11 a.m. Item number 49, time certain at 1.30 p.m. Item number 47, time certain at 2.15 p.m. or immediately following item number 49. Additional material regular meeting, items number 1A through 1C, board appointments, number item number 46, amendments to motion B, and summary explanation background submitted by Resilient Environment Department. 
Item number 46, paren 2, the Washington Post, article submitted by Resilient Environment Department. Item number 46, paren 3, memo to the board submitted by Office of Management and Budget. Item number 47, memo to the board submitted by Finance and Administrative Services Department. Item number 55, Exhibit 3, business impact estimate submitted by Office of the County Attorney. Additional material for public hearing. Item number 39, memo to the board submitted by Resilient Environment Department. Item number 43, memo to the board submitted by Resilient Environment Department. Thank you very much. Okay, with that, we'll see if anybody has any polls on the consent agenda. We'll start with Commissioner Rogers. None? Commissioner Dean? No, sir. Um, Commissioner Geller is not here, and we'll hopefully come back real quick. Commissioner Fisher? No polls, Mayor. Fisher? Commissioner Ryan? No polls. Commissioner Rogue Bogan? No polls. No polls. Commissioner McKenzie? Forty-six. Forty-six. Okay. No polls for me as well. Okay. Nice. All right. With that, I'll take a motion on the consent agenda. He's going to clarify something. You're fine, Commissioner McKenzie. It's, it's time, sir, so you didn't need to pull it okay. on that. Uh, and I don't know if there are any uh, public <coughs> polls of public discussion. No public polls. Okay. I'll take a motion. Move. Well, the, do you want to read? Did he read it, the attorney? I. I will do so now if that's uh, yeah please do okay thank you move approval nice, nice easy one this morning i think uh the consent agenda consists of items one through 35 uh, and added to the consent agenda are items 45 48 50 51 and 52. okay With that i'll take a motion uh, move approval of the consent agenda as read by the county attorney second okay we have a motion and a second all those in favor Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Okay, that passes unanimously. Actually, uh, uh, Commissioner Ritz, did you yes, vote? I said aye. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, with that, we're going to go straight to public hearings, I think. Right? I don't see anything, everything else is time certain. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go to... Number thirty six. Okay. The reading clerk could read thirty six, please. The public hearing on item thirty six is now open. Item thirty six is a motion to adopt resolution granting renewal of a non exclusive unrestricted port Everglades Marine Terminal Security Services franchise to Security Management Innovations Inc for a new five-year term. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Okay, are there any, is there a motion? Move it. We have a motion and, and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. That passes unanimously. Item 37, if you could read that, please. The public hearing on item 37 is now open. Item 37 is a motion to enact ordinance amending the county comprehensive plan to adopt county land use plan map amendment PC23-5.B in the city of Hollywood. No member of the public has signed up to speak on the item. Do have a second? Second. Any discussion? I'm going to hate to lose eight, number 18 on this, uh, this Emerald Hills. The whole, the whole number 18. Anyway. I'll vote for it. You want me to amend it? Yeah, I know. Just just keep that whole, would you please? Um, anyway, okay. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. <laughs> that passes unanimously. Item 40. 
Reading clerk. Uh, the public hearing on item 40 is now open. Item 40 is a motion to adopt resolution right. pertaining to the building code division and fee waivers for affordable housing, amending section 8.15 of the county administrative code, providing functions and responsibilities of the building code division, amending chapters 38 and 40 of section 43.55, including for consistency with statutory and Florida building code amendments. No member of the public can sign up to speak on the item. Okay. Sure. Um, uh, to the county attorney, what, or Maite if she's here, what, I noticed that the title in this uh, is um, including waivers for, fee waivers for affordable housing is part of the title. In my briefings, I thought this was just cleanup language. Can I ask what uh, fee waivers there are we're discussing here? Good morning. You're correct. It was the, the number, the section number for the affordable housing fee waivers that was incorrect. So it's just being updated. Great. Okay. Thank you. And, and Mr. Mayor, if I yes. can, one of the convert, no, you can, uh, one of the conversations that I've had with administration is something that I'll, you know, let me bring up again, although I brought this up to administration a couple of times now. The uh, concern is that under the Live Local Act, and we all need to be aware of this, it's not just the densification that we're talking about. People can, if they have 75 units or more in their affordable housing, they can be eligible under state law, regardless of what we do, to get a complete waiver of their ad valorem taxes. And since it, that applies also to workforce housing, I know at FAC the discussion is that in a lot of cases we're going to be taking what is essentially workforce housing at the same rate that we're that would otherwise be charged as as market housing and people are going to be eligible developers or owners of apartments will be eligible for a complete city county school board everything else waiver of of their ad valorem taxes so I I just want to make sure that this will have nothing to do with that. It doesn't, but I want to make sure everybody knows that because that potentially, not in year one, but year five, could have a devastating impact on local government's ad valorem tax base. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, sure. at this point. Ready, I'm ready to vote. Okay. Um, okay. We have a motion and a second on item 40. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any opposed? That passes unanimously. Okay, items 41 and 42, these, these are going to be considered together, but they'll be voted on separately. Okay, would you like to introduce? Okay, if the reading clerk would read 41 and items 42, and then I'll pass it over to county attorney. Items 41 and 42 will be considered together, will be voted on separately. The public hearings on items 41 and 42 are now open. Item 41 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to county parking facilities licenses amending sections 27-174 through 27-176 of the County Code of Ordinances. No member of the public can sign up to speak on that item. Item 42 is a motion to adopt resolution pertaining to the county air license fee schedule, amending section 40.23 of the County Administrative Code. No member of the public can sign up to speak on that either. Okay, County Attorney, did you want to? Uh, no, Vice Mayor, they were being open together just in case there were members of the public, which there aren't, so it would be appropriate for board discussion or motions separately on the items. So okay, this we point. need to vote separately, though. Yes, sir. Correct, okay. So I'll take a, a motion on item 41. Move it. We have a motion and 
And a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. That passes unanimously. Item 42. I'll take a motion. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. That passes unanimously. Okay, with that, we're going to go to items 38 and 39. Uh, these will be voted on separately. And Okay. Items 38 and 39 yes. will be considered together, but will be voted on separately. The public hearings on item 38 and 39 are now open. Item 38 is a motion to enact ordinance adopting a small-scale amendment to the County Land Use Plan Map PC 24-1 in the Broad Municipal Services District. Two members of the public have signed up to speak on that item. Item 39 is a motion to enact ordinance adopting a small-scale amendment to the County Comprehensive Plan amending the Broward Municipal Services District future land use map of the County Comprehensive Plan. And two members of the public has also signed up to speak on that item. The first member is Dennis Mele, who has signed up for both 38 and 39, um, followed by Armeni Kamisian on item 38. Okay. Mayor, can I be recognized? Yes. Items 38, 39, and 43 involve proposed amendments to the county's land use plan and rezoning of a parcel of land owned by a client of my law firm because the proposed items would financially impact my law firm's client. I'm leaving the dais and not voting on 38, 39, and 43. It's all the same thank part. You. Okay, thank you. And with that, we'll go to Dennis Mealy. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Dennis Mealy, 200 East Broward, Middle Fort Lauderdale, on behalf of the applicant, and I have a couple of quick slides to show. So this is the location of the property. It's one block north of Hillsborough Boulevard, a block east of uh, Lyons Road. Um, it's a five-acre parcel. It's one unit per acre now. We're proposing um, three units per acre, uh, 15 lots, although I will show you that we have agreed, we've had conversations with folks at the city of Coconut Creek, because although we're unincorporated, we're adjacent to Coconut Creek, and we've agreed to reduce it to 14 lots, and I'll show a drawing of that momentarily. So this is the Coconut Creek zoning map. Uh, anything that you see in white in the center of the map is unincorporated, uh, and then all the items in color are in the city of Coconut Creek. So you see south of us is PCD, which is a, a, the planned commerce district. So that's a big shopping center, for example, right at the corner of uh, Lyons and Hillsborough, just south of us. And then just west of us is RS4, uh, which is more dense uh, than what we're proposing to do. So then this is the Coconut Creek land use map. Again, the areas in white are unincorporated. The areas in color are in the city of Coconut Creek. And you see the commercial land use south of us, the low three residential west of us, um, and then um, also uh, the <coughs> large E1 piece to the north is North Broward Prep. So here's a map showing uh, the uh, density of residential developments in Coconut Creek. So you see um, at the bottom that table, we're, we are the very first line where it says subject site. So it still shows 15 units, it's now 14. Um, this, uh, the issue that we worked out with the city was relatively late, so it was a time to change all this, but it's 14 lots, still five acres. The actual effective density would be 2.8, and the minimum lot size would go up to 9,700 square feet plus. So if you look at that, we will be the lowest density of any of the developments that have been annexed into Coconut Creek. We will have the largest lot size um, and the you know, lowest number of units per acre. Uh, all of these developments were annexed. Now, um, we did have an issue at the city 
previously, uh, as I mentioned, we've now lowered it to 14 units, and that seems to have solved our issues at City Hall. Um, then just showing you very quickly, immediately to our south is a very large shopping center. That's just showing you some pictures of it. Um, and then uh, just the, the context in the neighborhood, uh, all of the uh, items outlined in yellow are people who have given us letters of support. The areas in green are uh, government-owned properties, open space, that sort of thing. And the area in blue is North Broward Prep. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Oh, I have one more slide, sorry. This is the adjusted plan with 14 lots. We will be filing a plat that will match what you see here. So essentially what we did by going from 15 lots to 14 is just made each lot bigger. Um, other than that, any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. If there's public comment, I'd like the opportunity to respond as appropriate. Thank you very much. Okay. Are there any questions for Mr. Mealy? Okay. Yep. Of uh, Mrs. Squadia. Okay. Um, I believe that on one of the three items, we would need to declare any uh, conversations we have had. Is that correct? Correct. On number 43, the rezoning. When okay. Get, when do we get to 43? So we're not at that point in time. Please right. let us know. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Sure. Any other discussion? We'll be uh, go ahead. Uh, I'm, I don't have any questions for Mr. Mealy. Um, this is my district, and uh, normally when things come up in my district, I'll hear from the community. I've heard nothing from the community. Okay. Uh, no objections from anybody, not one person I'm aware of has objected to this. And so, um, based on that, I'm going to support it. Did we have one more speaker? Yeah. Yes, okay. we have two actually. So, two, one more okay. on 38, that's Armini Kamsian, and then on 39, Caleb DeVore. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. My Hi. name is Armeni. Um, I'm from the Lionsgate community, so I'm a member of the community, and I don't support this. I think the current allocation of one house per acre or five houses total on the lot is more than enough. The gentleman who spoke earlier who said that um, this community or this plan has the least amount of density out of any developments in the area, this may be true, but that direct area around it is not a development. It is. It has a very unique feel. I grew up here, so when I purchased my home and I saw the surrounding community, I noticed that there was a lot of natural areas. It is a small pocket that is not totally overdeveloped, like where I grew up in West Polka, just down the street in Lions Road, which now, as you all may know, has developments popping up right and left. And the place that I grew up in doesn't exist anymore. This area has that feeling. It has beautiful parks, what Coconut Creek is known for. It has, when you go back there and you walk around, you see horses, you see peacocks. Peacocks come and walk around on my front lawn. I have a two-year-old son who's gonna grow up in this place. And things like this can fundamentally change the nature of the neighborhood. What I don't understand is, why are we, why are we increasing it? So the developer can make more money? That doesn't seem like a good enough reason. So we could have more taxable income? Okay, but putting, putting a lower density of houses would still increase the taxable income for the area without the expense of the community. What is this doing for the community? How is this enriching the community? Is the developer gonna um, grant generous setbacks? Are they gonna do landscaping around to not make it feel dense? Are they gonna invest in the roads or invest in the infrastructure of the area? I haven't heard anything about that. So until I understand how increasing it enriches the community, increasing the density enriches the community, I will be against this. 
And I'm not against progression. I understand that Florida is going through a transition right now. I understand that we do have to look at the increased number of people needing to come and live here. But each one of these projects changes the nature of the community. And we have to ask ourselves, what, how does it enrich the community? And if, that, if there's no answer there, then I don't think it should happen. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Our next speaker is Caleb DeVore. Good morning. Hello, my name is Caleb DeVore. I live at 7241 Northwest 43rd Ave. Um, I'm kind of surprised that nobody's seen opposition to this because I went to the first zoning meeting and I voiced the same opposition. This is literally the same group, Mr. Mealy, the Spear Group. They came in 71st Ave, or I'm sorry, 71st Street, same exact project. Well, I went before the commission last year, been a county long resident. I've only been in this building three times. This is my third. Both of them have been to speak on this. I was adamantly opposed to it. Um, I still am now. The entire community was opposed to it, and I guess enough people haven't written letters against it. It's the same argument. When you walk around the streets and the neighborhoods, it's the, the true density when you look at the residential around there is it's 0.8 around that, 0.83 units per acre. And so what they're showing here does not really represent that. I used to live in Crescent Creek, which is down the street. Me and my family purposely moved because of the low density. You guys, when we brought this up, I'm sorry, the commission as a whole, when we brought this up off 71st Street, which is a separate project, it's literally the same exact uh, design layout. They gave it in the zoning board. Same group, same thing, same argument. And the neighborhood, we're trying to keep low density. I do not support the three units. I'm hoping that we can do one unit. The last time we were here, what you all did is you agreed to one unit, then you used flex units, so you gave them two per acre off the 74th Street project. I'm asking that we do the same thing here. Internally in that neighborhood, the makeup is completely different. Yes, I know we have some developments on the outside, but their entrances are off the main, they're off the main roads, they're off lines in Hillsborough. This particular area is not. There's a lot of five-acre lots. There's two-and-a-half-acre lots. It varies, and it's just kind of frustrating that we're here again. The reason why most of our neighbors aren't here again or angry is because they were upset because you compromised last time, and we didn't stick with the one-acre per unit, which is the way it's known now. And I'm just asking you again, please. I have a little bit of faith in government because <laughs> our county, our entire city showed up last time. They supported this. I'm surprised. I didn't know that they switched to 14 units. I'm a little frustrated in that because I know they were big. I know they wrote a letter at the zoning to ask it to stay to one unit per acre, and I'm asking you the same to do again. I appreciate you guys giving me some time, but I'm a little frustrated. This is an annoying issue. My property for this one backs up to it. The other property was a block away. I had to walk to it, but I'm asking you, please, please, even the city across the street from that property has bought 15 acres. They're making it an entire park, so their intent is to keep this low density, and I'm wishing, and I hope you guys would do the same. Thank you all. Thank you. Okay. Um, we'll start with discussion. Did you want to Oh, I'm sorry. Just very briefly. Mr. Mealy, yes. Uh, again, Dennis Mealy on behalf of the applicant. A couple of quick items. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> the site plan doesn't come to you. It's handled administratively at staff. But I assure you that all of the infrastructure requirements will be met. All of the landscaping requirements will be met. Proper setbacks and buffering. We always do it. It's not something you see on a map like I showed a moment ago. And secondly, um, this is not the same as last time. Last time the property was on 74th Street, it was surrounded by one unit per acre land. It was not next to a shopping center. It was not next, immediately next to another neighborhood that's more dense with smaller lots. Also, last time it was a flex rezoning. This time it's a land use amendment and a rezoning. 
And so this went to the Broward County Planning Council. So your staff, the, un the unincorporated county planning staff, recommended approval. The Broward County Planning Council staff recommended approval. The Planning Council board voted 14 to 1 to approve, the only negative vote being the member of the Planning Council was from the city of Coconut Creek. Of course, we've now lowered it from the 15 to 14 as a, based on our discussions with Coconut Creek. So I don't okay. think this is anything near the same as last time. Okay. If you have any questions, be happy to answer them. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Miller. Any other discussion? Okay. Uh, after, you've, after you've already had a chance to speak, that's it. Sorry. I signed up for 43. I didn't know 39 had to do with it. Uh, we're not on 43 yet. Okay, thanks. Okay, we'll be on 40. That'll be quasi-judicial in just a few minutes. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds. Uh, in the map that he showed in the plan for the neighborhood, it doesn't look like there are setbacks at all. They look pretty close up to the fence line. Also, I'm not just speaking for myself. I forgot to mention that later. Everyone I spoke to in Lionsgate, which is five or six different families that are close to the lot, including some folks that live on the other side of Lionsgate, they're not for this. I don't see why they would be. I mean, can you? Like, why would someone in the community want this? Really sit with that question as representatives of the community and think about that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Any other discussion? I will take a motion on 38. We have a motion to approve. We have a second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Um, Based on, uh, I know I have my comments that I approve it, but I didn't realize there were people in the community that were opposed to it, so I have to vote no. Okay. okay. All right. So that passes eight to one. One abstention, I'm sorry, seven to one with one abstention. We'll go to item 39. Um, do I have a motion? Do I have a motion to approve? Do I have a second? We have a motion and a just, second. Just for clarification, just for clarification, this is the ordinance as amended um, by the additional material. It included okay. language about a legal description for the property. Okay. So with amendments, as amended. Okay. We have a motion and a second as amended. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Okay. So, right. So it's seven to one and with one abstention. Okay, now we're going to go to a quasi-judicial public hearing. Um, Maite, would you like to? Item 43 is a quasi-judicial proceeding hearing to consider a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to the rezoning of property in the Municipal Services District from Agricultural Estate to Planned Development District. Any ex parte communications regarding this item shall be disclosed as part of this proceeding. Commissioners Geller, Fisher, McKinsey have submitted written documentation that was received ex parte as additional material. If any commissioner has additional written ex parte communication regarding this item that has not been made part of the record, please submit it at this time. And if you have any oral ex parte communication, please disclose it and the general nature of the communication at this time. Okay. For the, I'll go around this way and then we'll come to Commissioner uh, I did have conversations with both Commissioner uh, Rydell and Mr. Mealy regarding just the specifics of the proposal and everything. So I'm disclosing that. Commissioner Ryan? Oh, you already wrote. 
Commissioner Fisher? Yeah, I just wanted for the record, I did have ex parte communications with uh, Mr. Mealy on the specifics of this particular project. Okay. And I did as well. Same. I had, um, in addition to the written one that I've already uh, furnished, uh, Mr. Mealy called me some point last week to mm -hmm. indicate that they were going from 15 to 14 units, and that was the, uh, it was a brief conversation okay. that's subject, subtotal. Commissioner Rogers? Yes, I too did have conversation with Mr. Mealy, and we discussed going from, four, from 15 to 14. Right, and okay. that was the extent of the okay. conversation. My Thank team. you. The applicant staff and all witnesses wishing to provide. Uh, uh, excuse oh, me. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Senator. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Senator? Yeah. yeah, I did. I, I have had a conversation, not not recently this week, but previously with uh, with uh, Mr. Mealy. Okay. My apologies. Thank I, you. I forgot to look over this way. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, my day. The applicant, staff, and all witnesses wishing to provide sworn testimony must be sworn. Testimony may but is not required to be sworn. However, testimony that is not sworn is not assigned the same weight and credibility as testimony that is sworn. Attorneys licensed to practice law in the state of Florida are not required to be sworn unless they intend to present sworn testimony. Persons providing testimony should indicate whether they have been sworn. Ms. Sapero, may the board secretary swear in persons who intend to give sworn testimony at this time? Yes, thank you. To your right, Mr. Milley, look over to your right, at the table to the right. The right young ladies behind. at the, the ladies, right young here. ladies here. There you go. <laughs> All right. Can, can you please raise your right hand? Do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give is, is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I do. Thank you. At the conclusion of the quasi-judicial proceeding and deliberation by the board, the board may approve staff's recommendation and approve the rezoning. Alternatively, the board may determine that the applicable requirements of the land use plan and zoning code have not been met and deny the application. If the board determines that the testamentary or documentary evidence or information justifies allowing additional research or review in order to properly determine the issue presented, section 1332 of the Code of Ordinances provides that the board may continue the hearing for up to two weeks or until the next meeting of the county commission after the two-week period. Ms. Sosodia, please indicate if you have been sworn and present a brief synopsis of the nature of the application, summarize the issues, and make a recommendation on the application. Good morning. For the record, my name is Joe Sosodia. I'm the Director of Urban Planning, and I have been sworn. Item 43 relates to a rezoning of the five-acre property located at Northwest 71st Street in Hillsborough Ranch's area of the BMSD, which is shown in Exhibit 4 of your packet for Item 43. The site is currently designated A1 Agricultural Estate, which allows up to five units on the site. Spear Acquisition LLC is requesting rezoning to a planned development district, known as PDD. A staff reviewed the proposal based on the 11 factors that are set forth in Chapter 39-30 of the Broward County Zoning Code, and the staff analysis is provided in Exhibit 2. The applicant submitted a master plan, which is included in Exhibit 1 as an attachment. This shows a cul-de-sac with single-family 15 lots, with a minimum lot size of 7,500 square feet and a 30,000 square foot retention area. That's on Exhibit 1, page 15. It's my understanding that the applicant is now coming forward with a revised plan, which he showed on the slides, uh, showing only 14 lots. 
The proposed number of units is consistent with the land use density of three units per acre, which was just approved by the board in items 38 and 39. That allows up to 15 units. 14 units obviously is less than 15. Um, the local planning agency reviewed the application on January 10th, 2024, and found that it would be compliant if the companion land use items were approved, which the board has done. Therefore, staff recommends approval of this rezoning to the PDD district. I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Does any commissioner have questions of Mrs. Sodia? Mr. Mealy, do you have questions of Mrs. Sodia? Okay. You may now present your your information or evidence at this time. Uh, Dennis Mealy, 200 East Broward Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, have been sworn. <clears throat> Can I ask that the material I presented earlier be included again here so I don't have to repeat it unless you want me to repeat it? Yes. Okay, and then the last slide that I showed earlier did show the revised plan for 14 lots. Uh, we will be platting the property. We will be doing a site plan with, with the county as well, and this is what we will show, uh, the 14 lots. Uh, if you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. Uh, if there's any public comment, like the opportunity to respond is appropriate. Thank you. Senator Geller. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Goidia. Mr. Mealy, um, one of the speakers uh, commented that the uh, the uh, proposed site plan, it's not a site plan, but the sketch that you have doesn't show setbacks, things of that nature. Would it be customary at this stage for you to be showing the setbacks? And can you describe what the setbacks and other things are that she was asking about? So they're, they're shown in our PDD document, which is part of the backup, shows setbacks, um, landscape buffers, driveway locations, everything. It's just not part of what we do in part of land use or zoning. It's part of what we do as part of a site plan. But I assure you that our setbacks, one of the things that we did, <clears throat> because when we were working on the previous parcel on 74th, there was a suggestion that we may not be designing it to as high a standard as is used in the city of Coconut Creek. So what we did here when we formulated our PDD is we made sure that we were doing that, that even if we were in Coconut Creek, we would be complying with their standards. And the fact that our lots are larger than the neighbors around us gives us more room for setbacks and everything else that you want to do on a site. Thank you, sir. No, no further question. Does any other commissioner have questions of Mr. Mailey? Can you please call the speakers? The next public speaker is Dennis Hoover, followed by Caleb DeVore. Good morning. I'm okay. a property owner in this development. I've lived in the Deerfield Excuse Coconut me. Creek area for over 30 years. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can Sir. you indicate whether you've been sworn? I am not sworn okay. in, but I'd be happy to if I knew what to do. Sure. Can you, you don't have to. Okay, I'm fine. Okay. I, I just want to point out some things. Um, I finally, in 2020, was able to purchase a property in this development. I waited 30 years to do it. I finally got in here, and the reason I wanted it, because low traffic, there's horses walking by on my road in front of me. My property backs up to the new development, and we have a hard time pulling out of our driveway as it is with the amount of traffic without 14 additional residents. If that resident comes out of that development onto 71st Street, they're gonna have, if they wanna go south on Lyons Road, they're gonna have to drive through our private road community to get to an exit up by the school 
which is also very crowded because people parked on that road waiting to go on to pick their children up. 14 additional residents is going to make traffic unbearable, especially with the roads. My mailbox gets hit every once in a while because there's no sidewalks, there's no setbacks. 14 additional properties is going to impact this community tremendously. It's amazing that they would even consider it. They're saying 10 extra cars per day. When If they come out on the 71st and go to Lyons, which is short distance, you also have traffic coming out of the shopping center. They're using it as a reason to build more house. That shopping center puts more traffic on the exit of the development. They mentioned two other developments in the same, I guess you call it a plot. Both of those have separate entrances out, not into our development, but into main streets that they never have to go through our development. 14 additional units is too many. You're going to have Amazon, Federal Express, visitors all coming through our development to get there because that intersection on Lyons and 71st is dangerous. People pull out to go left and they sit in that island waiting. You'll get two and sometimes three cars because traffic is so intense coming from a short distance Hillsboro, three lanes of traffic and you're trying to go left there. They're going to have to come through our community and that gets backed up because of the school and because so many people waiting to get out there, there's no traffic control. Our roads aren't designed to take that much traffic. Somebody should drive through there, try to turn left out of there onto going south on the Lions before you guys decide. I appreciate it. Thank you. Do we have another speaker? We do. The, the uh, final speaker on this item is Mr. Caleb DeVore. Again, my name is Caleb DeVore, I live at 7241 Northwest 43rd Ave. Uh, I'm not, I did not swear in. Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that the city, they initially rejected it, and I'm kind of blindsided that they didn't continue the rejection. Commissioner Bogan, I appreciate you voting against it. Uh, it's just frustrating to live in this neighborhood. And Mr. Mealy said that it's not reflective, but that's kind of a half-truth, because in front of the property is a large retaining wall that kind of separates it from the plaza. And between the two properties, I know because I walk it with my wife and my kids, is probably, is probably not even a, a third of a mile, you know, between the two, maybe a quarter mile, less than that. Um, it's just frustrating to see this, that obviously the Titans of Profit are winning out over the small residents that live there. And I'm just frustrated in this whole process, and I understand why my neighbors are angry, asked me to come speak, but none of them showed up. So thank you. Any other speakers? No, that's it. The evidentiary portion of the quasi-judicial proceeding is now complete, and it is appropriate for the board to deliberate. Okay. With that, let's deliberate. Any, any discussion? I'll just say, I think, you know, later today or at 11 o'clock, we're going to be talking about affordable housing. We're going to be talking about the need for um, more housing in this county and this in this place so this is going to be one of those ones where it actually is going to be less per acre than others it's i i would suggest or, or encourage you all to listen to the, the debate that's going to be happening at 11 o'clock um and you, you're going to hear what's going and i know it's not going to 
satisfy you, but um, when you hear what's going on in the entire county and the incredible need we have for housing, more housing, um, it, it, will, it does paint a different picture than what we're looking at right here. Um, with that, I'll take a motion. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? I'm, I'm sorry. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Can, yeah. I, can I please ask that you modify the ordinance to delegate to the urban planning director the ability to approve a modified development plan reflecting 14 units? Okay. Well, the motion will we'll take that into consideration. Is that okay? Okay. So we have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All those opposed? I have to oppose that. Okay. So it, it is seven to one with one abstention. Passes. Thank you. Yeah. Commissioner Dean, you come on back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did okay. It wasn't as good. It wasn't as good. Yes. We have one delegation today. Um, and if the delegation is here, we'll take that right now. Um, do, we, do we have the name for the delegation? Yes. So we have a delegation request by Roderick Newkirk for the Affordable Housing Advisory Committee. Okay. Is Mr. Newkirk here? Yes, he is. Very good. Good morning. Good morning, team. How are you? Good. How's everyone doing? I'm doing good. The floor is yours. All right. Uh, I've been doing some work in the community, and uh, this is a young lady that I'm also dealing with. I have a few people that I want to mention about their situation. Uh, here is her. Uh, my name is Miss Pentag. My name is Miss Pentagraph, and I am 21 years old. I have a daughter, and she is two years old. I'm located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I am homeless with my daughter. We have been homeless for over a month, and we have been staying in a broken down car that's parked outside of a friend's house because we wasn't enough to sleep on her living room, on her couch. It's so hard raising a child and having no support. I have no support emotionally or financially from anyone. I break down every day and I find myself wanting to leave earth because it's so painful <clears throat> being here. But who will have my daughter? Who will provide for my daughter? Be there for her? Nobody, because I have nobody. I have done everything on my own since I was 16 years old and it's so hard. I am hurting because no matter what I do or say, nobody cares about us. No matter how many times I try to tell our story, does it make a difference for us? Just allows people to talk about us or talk down on me and threaten to get her taken. My mother kicked me out when I was 17 years old. After I finally opened up and told her that her husband's stepson sexually abused me from age 10 to 12, and she chose them instead of me, it broke me because my protector couldn't protect me and then didn't defend me or want to talk to me or be there for me after. She cut off all communications. I didn't have any family because she kept us away from them. And then the family that I did try to reach out, 
no response from anyone. I have to take the bus every day to get my daughter to daycare my and, and to my job. And most of the time, and most of the time I'm late to work or the daycare didn't want to take care of because we passed the acceptance kids time. It's so hard. I feel like a failure to my daughter. Sometimes we have to beg people to breathe, I mean, to bathe at their house. I just wish things were different for us. I wish my daughter didn't have to struggle with me because she never asked to be here, and it hurts. Mr. Newkirk, time. But, but you've given us um, kind of painted a picture for what we're about to be discussing, mm -hmm. and I appreciate that. Yeah, because um, I'm out here myself. I'm out here myself doing a lot of this work out here myself. And, um, you know, and with this, with me going through these situations myself, I came to this board, I came to the board a few years ago pertaining to a situation um, that I was having with myself. I also wanted to address. Mr. Nick, you only have three minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, thank you. Okay. Okay, appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And with that, we're going to go into our time certain on affordable housing. And with that, I'm going to pass this over to our county administrator. Thank you, Mr. Vice Mayor. So um, item 46 um, is something that I will absolutely turn right back over to you to then recognize the mayor, who I know um, would love to be the one who actually officially opens this item. Um, but I just wanted to um, thank um, our staff also. This is the... Um, the uh, the ten year um, affordable housing master plan that has been um, much longer in the making and and the board has had a priority for many many years so um, with that I will um, let turn it right back over to you Mr Mayor uh, Vice Mayor and um, recognize the mayor thank you okay with that I'm going to uh, recognize the mayor Mayor Rich thank you so much Mr Vice Mayor and thank you for uh, filling in for me for these meetings. I'm anxious to get back and hopefully it's only gonna be a few more weeks. So, uh, but uh, I just wanna thank everyone for their concern um, and their contacts with me and, uh, and wishing me well, thank you. Um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to just um, kind of lay a little bit of the groundwork for this since um, I've been a part of it, I guess, you know, since the beginning, uh, since I came on the board. Um, but I'm very excited that today uh, we are receiving and voting to accept Housing Broward, a 10-year affordable housing master plan, which is going to provide us with a critical policy framework to address Broward County's affordable housing crisis, now in Dr. Murray's words, cat cat catastrophe. The theme is, uh, of this plan uh, is very appropriate leading the challenge and sharing the burden. We have been leading this, excuse me? We have been leading this challenge uh, for, well, since before 2018. And uh, we are, this plan is uh, attempting and hopefully will incorporate uh, the many people in Broward County that need to also be a part of this. It is a call to action for all of our 31 municipalities, our business community, our healthcare industry, 
our educational institutions, lenders, and financial institutions, and, and more, to come together to address Broward's affordable housing needs. The master plan is the first countywide affordable housing master plan in the state of Florida, and I think we should be all so proud of that. And it is the product of a 12-month community engagement process that included over 60 meetings with local government officials, business leaders, community leaders, nonprofits, uh, just all across uh, this, the sectors of our county. The broad cross-section of stakeholders helped inform and shape the direction of this plan. Attaining the goal of providing an adequate supply affordable house, of affordable housing will be a significant challenge. We all know that. The findings from the 2022 Broward County Affordable Housing Needs Assessment provided the impetus and the sense of urgency needed to support this master plan. The affordable housing crisis level continues unabated. The new Harvard Joint Center for Study for, for housing studies indicated that Miami-Dade, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach area is the worst in the nation with 62% of all renters cost burden. And that includes cities like San Francisco, New York, Washington, DC, all across the country, we are now considered the worst. You can check the interactive map of this study to see that. In addition, uh, this is coupled with Dr. Murray's recent data that shows we have gone from approximately 75,000 severely cost burden to 101,000 severely cost burden households in Broward. And this means that the people are spending, those people are spending more than 50% of their income on housing. This impact is a wide range of Broward County's service sector workers and I just want everyone to really focus on this because you can't have 62 plus percent cost burdened and only have it be just a few of our sectors. This goes across all of them from, from healthcare to childcare to retail sales, cashiers, bus drivers, uh, persons with disabilities, and of course our senior community, uh, many of whom live on fixed incomes. So, I, I want to say that this, this plan, this, this is the number one economic development strategy is affordable housing. And I know that we all talk a lot about economic development, but I'm so proud today that we have such great support from the business community across the board who really understands and recognizes because of their own issues of retention and, uh, and attracting workers that we must have places for people to live or it impacts our economic development. The components of the plan include so many exciting things. I wanna make one point clear though. These are innovative and creative ideas. They are not mandates. Nobody is forcing anybody to do anything. We are asking people to join us, as I said, to share the burden. And uh, we will be discussing, obviously, the most, one of the most important things is the funding strategy. So many, many leaders have come here today to support this plan and share their experiences and reasons why they believe it is so important. I want to thank them all for taking the time to be here today. But special thanks need to go to Dr. Ned Murray, 
Associate Director of the FIU Metropolitan Center, who has done the most amazing job with research analysis to help provide us with this critical document. Uh, he is really a treasure. And to Ralph Stone, our incredible Director of Housing Finance and Community Development for the amazing job he has done to get the money that we have so far appropriated through our Affordable Housing Trust Fund out there, developers coming and actually going out there and making sure that these projects start on a timely basis. Um, I want to also thank Sandra Vesey Einhorn. This was done in conjunction with the Coordinating Council of Broward. And uh, Sandra has been amazing. She is the one who tirelessly organized these 60 plus uh, meetings with people across our, our community to get their input. And I also want to thank Walter Duke, uh, amazing man, organizing and energizing the business community. And of course, the county staff led by our indomitable county administrator, uh, Monica Sapero. And lastly, to all of my commission colleagues, I want to thank you. Uh, I know you have endured my unending focus on affordable housing, and, uh, but you have, I am so proud to say, joined in this commitment to the future of Broward County. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I think we're going to do a presentation first. And then we'll do public speakers. But before we do, Mayor, I just I just want to say thank you for kind of keeping us on the on this road <laughs> and getting us uh, to where we're to where we're about to be. Um, you've you've put a lot of effort into this, and it and it's uh, it's quite a testament to what you've been doing. Commissioner Gell, you, you want to say something first? Yes, Miss okay. Mayor, and I apologize. I thought you were done. That's, That's why okay. I That's right. didn't mean to interrupt. I have a question. I don't know if it's for the county administrator or the county attorney. I have read every page of this 51-page document carefully. Uh, I think it's a tremendous document, but as you would expect with any 51-page document, there are things in here that I think need to be elaborated on. There are things here that I disagree with or that certainly think that we need to have additional debate on. And my question to either the administrator or the county attorney, I don't know who it's directed to, is it is a motion, at least initially, a motion to accept the report. Well, we get reports all the time that we say, all right, we accept the report, meaning that we acknowledge that the report has been filed. If that's what we're doing, then I don't need to spend this much time going over individual points and questions that I will have. If, on the other hand, I also note it says, um, including recommend, we are accepting including recommendations related to strategies for increased densities, funding alternatives, legislation slash program. I may not agree with all of those, so my question is, are we merely, between A, B, and C, are we merely acknowledging that the report has been filed and accepting it, or are we saying that we agree with everything in the report? Because if that's the question, then you'd spend a lot more time on my 32-page list of questions, just kidding. Um, <laughs> But it is one page of questions, you know, probably eight or 10 or 12 
individual items that I have questions on, some of which I think just need clarification, one or two where I have serious questions. Can yeah. I get an answer as to what we are, what effect of adopting and, or of accepting the report, what does that have? Does that imply that we are agreeing with it? Can I, can I also, before we go there, we have an hour and a half to do this. So we have quite a bit of time to maybe, we, we, we may not know the answer to that yet. And maybe we want to do the presentations and hear from public speakers and then, and then have that discussion. And then Whatever decide. is your pleasure, Mr. Mayor, I'm just saying the amount of questions I will right. have will depend on what is the effect of our I, motions. Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I guess I'm saying let's have the discussion and then we'll decide, okay. we'll have a better idea of where we're going with that at that point. Unless well, county minister, and, and I'll keep looking at each other to see who's going to answer. But, <laughs> but what I will tell you is, um, you know, at least the motions can be, you know, um, addressed separately. Um, from a from a legal perspective, Drew can, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. But the motion A that you're asking about is, in fact, to accept the master plan. And like you read, it says including the recommendations related to. Um, I don't believe there's anything in here that is absolutely binding. It is just that you're accepting the report and the recommendations that have strategies for addressing those three areas that you listed off. Um, Drew, if there's anything else you want to add? Yes, I agree with that. I don't think there's anything legally binding in here. I don't think there's anything that, that ties the board's hands. Uh, however, Senator Geller, in your phrasing, you, you phrase it the way I sort of kicked it back and forth in my mind is, you know, is something implied in here uh, you know, you, you are establishing policy that would require uh, later concrete steps. Uh, some would be by this board, some theoretically would, you know, impact other stakeholders. Uh, but we don't believe there's anything in here that's legally binding on this board. Uh, but you are uh, at least implying that you, are, okay. you view the recommendations favorably. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Barrow. And uh, Mr. Mayor, such being the case, I'd like to reserve two hours of the one and a half hour discussion. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. We're going to vote on them separate, though. A, B, and C will all be voted on separate. Right. Um, is it, uh, will the board to do the presentation first? Everybody sound, sounds good? Okay. So with that, um, County Administrator, I'll pass it over to you. Thank you, Mr. Vice Mayor. Um, at this point, um, I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Murray. I think I just saw him in the back here. There he is. Um, and he will walk us through the presentation that you will see on the screen. Thank you, Dr. Murray. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my pleasure to be here. Ned Murray, Associate Director of the Perez Metropolitan Center at Florida International University. Um, I, I can't tell you how, how thankful we are and appreciative we are of all the support and that, that we receive from the commission through this process. And of course, the leadership of, of Mayor Nan Rich, who you know, unfortunately cannot be here today. I was, we were all really hoping, and I'm sure she was mostly hoping to be here, uh, but certainly her leadership from the get-go has, has, has just been, um, has been so amazing, and, and, I, and I don't know if we'd be, all be here today if it wasn't for her or so. But she also did me a big favor. She provided a lot of the preface that I would have provided, so thank you, Mayor Dan Ridge, for um, allowing me to cut my uh, presentation down by a few minutes. Um, let, let me first uh, just reiterate, though, what, what Mayor Dan Ridge said. 
that you know this was a one year over a one year community planning community engagement process all of you were involved at some point um, some of you in terms of one-on-one -on -one meetings others as part of the workshop others as part of uh, larger meetings um, it, it was it was a process that was facilitated by and large by Sandra Vesey Einhorn who's with us uh, on the plan and and we really appreciated all the work she she put into this arranging all those meetings getting everybody there at the table both in person and, and, and in some cases via, via zoom meetings um, I think the 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 point that mayor rich uh, just just uh, spoke to and I'm going to revisit because the plan is all about that the theme the theme being leading the challenge and sharing the burden that plays out throughout the plan what we heard continually throughout the one-year community engagement process from stakeholders including business leaders community leaders uh, government officials was we want solutions we don't need a lot more analysis we don't need a lot more rhetoric we need solutions policy solutions that are actionable um, and we also heard from many local government officials uh, saying basically the same thing tell us what to do we heard that more than once tell us what to do so we've done that um, there is nothing in this plan that's aspirational we don't have the time or the luxury to be aspirational when it comes to this issue so what we've done is put together really actionable strategy recommendations including funding uh, zoning and land use and programmatic and and regulatory strategies that cut across the gambit everybody gets to play everybody gets a chance to be involved in this whether it be one of the 31 municipalities our employers our institutions our philanthropists everybody gets a shot at this everyone needs to so when we talk about uh, leading the challenge and, and sharing the burden that's exactly what we mean uh, the leadership has always been on this issue from Broward County Andrews Avenue and 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 specifically mayor nan rich but all of you have been so supportive over the years providing uh funding assistance uh, for affordable housing and policy uh policies that have uh been aimed at that so it, it's it's been there so we're building on that foundation essentially but we need to go beyond andrews avenue as you all know we need to get out to the 31 municipalities but also all the businesses and institutions and and, and philanthropists that, that that make foundations that make up Broward County because this is truly going to be a Broward County-wide 10-year affordable housing master plan so with this you know we we, we put forward that challenge and, and as you look at those five just those five bullet points it, it gets to why it has to be county-wide and why it has to be everyone everyone on board um, as Mayor Rich just noted our leading industrial sectors our whole economic base is dependent upon this our quality of life here in Broward County is dependent on that uh, our public schools our hospitals uh, our university all of these institutions are, uh, are dependent upon how not just doing the plan but the successful imp implementation of the plan um, we have to remind municipalities all the time as we do throughout the plan that they have a resident workforce a resident workforce and they also have a workforce that comes there each day to take on many of the jobs 
We remind them all the time when we do employment inflow outflow analysis that a lot of people are coming and going each day, leaving your community, your municipality each day to take a job somewhere east or south or north, or coming in from another direction to take those jobs, a lot of them by bus. So we have to be appreciative of the fact that we have a resident, we all have a resident workforce, all 31 municipalities that they need to be provided for. We also know that we don't, do no, we don't have, and we haven't for a long time now, the federal and state resources to really uh, take on the scope and scale of the affordable housing issues that we're talking about. It's been a long time since we've, had, we've received the kind of federal monies that we once got, and certainly the state monies, even though they've, they've been improved upon in the last year, uh, they need to be much more as well. But with that, we have to get local. We have to be local on this. The county, Broward County, has been, has been, um, uh, uh, you know, really in the leadership on that once again in terms of your annual budget uh, uh, allocation for affordable housing. But we need to spread that around the county as well. Um, so, and, and then lastly, you know, getting back to the to the strategies themselves, they really need to be bold, innovative, and actionable, as, as, I, as I just stated. And, and what do we mean by that? Well, we're going to play those out. We're going to talk about those. They're very, very specific. We're asking a lot, but that's the whole theme of the plan, is to, is to, is to take on that challenge and to share that burden. Um, I, in, in the process of doing the plan, we were doing periodic updates uh, of the 2002 affordable housing needs assessment, but also just trying to stay on top of the market because as you all know, the market over the last two years since we did, the, did that needs assessment has really become turbulent and has created a lot of the problems that we have today. But we have to be reminded, getting back to Mayor Nan Rich's point, when you look at that second table, the table to the right, who our workers are. Most of our workers in our leading occupations earn less than 80% of the area median income. In fact, seven of them, seven of the top 10 or so, earn 50% of the area median income. These are the renters, and, these are the, and this is why when Mayor Nanridge said we now have 101,000 severely cost burden renters, and let's remind everybody what that means. It means you're a household paying in excess of 50% of your income on housing costs. 50% or more of your income on housing costs. What we regard that as is financially distressed. So if you look at the average household size of renters in Broward County, that means we've got about 250,000 of our residents, 250,000 of our residents living in financial distress right now and getting worse by the day. As I just mentioned, this has gotten worse since we took this plan on. You can see that skyrocketing uh, arrow there on the graph. Th that arrow would continue up if we extended it into 2003. Uh, we've had a 70% increase in rents, average rents since 2016, almost a 40% in just the year following the COVID. We've, we're at about another 30% in 2023. So that's why those numbers that, that Mayor Rich pointed to are so high and getting higher by the day. We also looked at all the municipalities because once again, when we talk about the plan sharing, sharing, the, uh, sharing the burden, 
we're, we have to remind everyone that the Broward County Affordable Housing Needs Assessment uh, looked at all 31 municipalities, and what this table does is to just, once again, substantiate the fact that the issue is countywide. Yes, we have a need, for, in this case, renters of about 74,000, but as you can see, every, every single municipality in, in Broward County is running a significant deficit when you look at what the median rent-to-household income is for that community. So each municipality has to understand that, the, that they have a rent-to-household median income that is leaving a gap that is substantial, and it's in the red in, in all cases. So when we talk about the plan and we talk about sharing the burden, leading the challenge, we're also talking about accountability. And the plan does get into that, and we'll get that in just a minute. Okay, there are three major components to our policy strategies. There's the funding uh, strategy, there is the um, land use and zoning identification strategy more broadly, and then out there are the programs and regulatory strategies that, uh, that, uh, that, that uh, complete that. Now, um, on the funding side, I won't get into too much depth here because you've seen the first two already at the, at the workshop back in uh, in December, when we're talking about number one, using the uh, expiring uh, TIF funds for affordable housing is to uh, go from 50 to 100 percent over that 30-year horizon, and, and Ralph Stone has projected that to provide an estimated thir almost 36,000 units over that period. The second part would be to establish a municipal ex expired TIF share for affordable housing that would commit 50 percent of the municipal share of expired TIFs affordable housing providing an estimated 18,000 housing units on top of the, the 36,000. Um, the third component uh, is, is something new. We, we did not, we did not uh, have this on, on, on the, in the plan back in December, but we've added it because one thing we've understood, the more we've looked at the need and the gaps that we're talking about, scope and scale, and that once again, that challenge of how do we get the private sector how do we get employers, how do we get our institutions more involved, is that we knew that we had to have something more. Something more where the private sector could become more intimately involved. So what we're calling this is an affordable housing innovation fund. It's a type of fund for housing, um, uh, affordable housing that's, that's been done all over the country. It's been done at the county level, municipal level. Uh, there's different ways it can be done. Uh, obviously that's something that will need to be discussed, but but certainly this is, this is going to be a really key component of the plan from an implementation standpoint. This is, where the, this is where the private sector comes to the table, particularly the lenders, and we can talk more about that. And then the last item is what we're asking is that all 31 municipalities create their own affordable housing trust funds. And we're looking at a $10 per resident total a calculation for each municipality and how, how was that determined? Well, that was Ralph Stone's good thinking and, and we talked about it was uh, the, the county itself has this past year uh, allocated $20 million for affordable housing. The, the calculation was 2 million folks living in the county divided by that 20,000, uh, uh, 20 million, I'm sorry, uh, calculates about 10 cents per resident. That would be a good starting point. And there's a lot of different ways this can be done. Obviously, we have affordable housing. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, ten dollars. Um, <clears throat> Uh, there's a lot of different ways that this can be done. We have, we have uh, at least one or two municipalities right now that have affordable housing trust funds uh, mm -hmm. in place. Uh, there's a lot that can be done, particularly with, for the 14 entitlement uh, communities uh, that already have funding coming in. Uh, it's a lot easier for them to be able to create this type of fund and leverage those federal and state dollars. For the other 17 communities, we're looking at something that would emulate that, but also other ways that they could dedicate funds on their own to their local governments, but also seek out other sources of funding from local employers, institutions, philanthropists, whatever that may be. On the policy and, and, and uh, planning recommendation uh, component dealing with densification, um, we, we, we gave an overview of this back in December at the workshop. What, we, what, we, what we're doing is essentially taking what's already in place. The, the, uh, the, uh, the policy 4.16.4, the Geller Amendment, Commissioner Geller, your, 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 your policy amendment really provides the foundation for this. All we're really doing at this, with this is saying, okay, if for this plan to be successful, not just in terms of providing affordable housing, but, but creating, addressing a lot of the other issues that we're all familiar with in terms of jobs, in terms of accessible public transit, that we really need to give priority to locations where that can happen or more likely to happen. So what we're doing is creating more of a tiered system. The policy in place already does address that to some extent. What we're saying is if it's if these transit-oriented development locations, we need to go to the max on this. What that might be is something we've discussed with the Planning Council uh, in terms of calibrating that based upon the existing uh, ratios that are being used. Uh, and once again, looking at what we just provided you was that breakout of our workers by income. Uh, we obviously now know that most of our need is in that 50 to 80 percent category. So we probably, well, we, we need to take a look at that. Are we, are we addressing that to the extent needed? And uh, is the current, are the current calibrations for particularly these transit locations, is, is it, is it going to get us there? Not only in terms of the densities that are going to be required, but, but some of the other criteria in terms of the thresholds, for instance, that, need, that should be addressed by developers coming in. So what we're proposing is that in order to qualify for a density bonus, you need to come in meeting that at least a 20% threshold for affordable housing. That's not asking a whole lot, particularly now with live local at 40%. We're talking something at 20%. And once again, really kind of zeroing in on that very low and low uh, income range. Obviously, we want to include the moderate. And we also want to look at it more in terms of the increments, the increments between 50 and 80 and even 80 to 120. There's a lot of increments there, if you think about it, from between 50 and 80. So I think there's a lot of things that can be done there. So that's essentially what we're proposing. And then the second tier would be the activity centers. Uh, same thing, we, we want to provide the 20% threshold. Here, the, the, because there are uh, various size activity centers, as you all know, we used to have both regional and local, we now just have one. So there may be developments coming in of various development scale. Uh, so in this case, we're looking at something that would be at least to set the floor for that in terms of density and, and perhaps provide for uh, uh, more intense 
density for those projects that of scale that obviously address particularly the very low and low income um, um, renters. And then the tier three is essentially what we have in place right now. Same thing though, a 20% threshold. And once again, let's take, let's take another look at the very low and low to make sure that we're adequately addressing those. So that's really the focus. And once again, we're using what's already in place essentially and looking for ways to enhance it to, to make and, and see, if these, see if these numbers can work and help stimulate. Now, the, the second bullet doesn't have a lot of language under it, but number one doesn't really work the whole tiered system unless we have a local zoning, unless we have local zoning codes that provide the underlying density to support that. And in our, in our investigation, on our research that we did, we found that most municipalities in Broward County do not allow multifamily in, in their commercial zones. Most municipalities in Broward County do not allow for multifamily housing in their commercial zones, in their commercial districts. So we're reaching out once again to our municipalities because it, for us to really, for the county, to really be able to, to you know, use our tiered system, or, the, or even the system that's in place right now, we need to have the underlying zoning in place where we can really make the numbers work. So we're proposing much greater intensities for multifamily, different ranges of multifamily housing intensity, and mixed use. Now we do have maybe about 10 municipalities in the county that do have mixed-use districts, but they don't have a range of mixed-use districts, particularly those that would provide for a greater intensity of use within those mixed-use districts that could accommodate the type of mixed-use we're talking about in terms of affordable housing and, and job creation. So uh, this is a really critical recommendation. Obviously, it's something that we're going to need to work with our municipalities on, but they need to understand that their current zoning, which is largely Euclidean, very standard, needs, needs to be, we need to take it to, to the year 2024 and address the kind of issues that we're talking about, not just in terms of affordable housing, but the economic base of each municipality, creating jobs, creating accessible transit, creating quality of life within your municipalities through, through your zoning. So that is a really key component to the, to the land use and uh, uh, zoning section. And I'll just go through these really briefly. There's a whole bunch of language and a whole lot of narrative on this within the plan. Uh, once again, what all of these do, each of these programs, each of these regulatory incentives, it provides for more opportunities to get more folks involved. Employer-assisted housing, used throughout the country, used in parts here in Florida, we need to ramp that up and think about ways that that can be done. There's discussions already going on here in Broward County about that. Uh, we've had teacher village proposals in the past. Let's really get serious about this and make sure that these things can happen. And there's a whole lot of discussion in the plan about that uh, and, and different examples of how that can be done. Um, then we're talking about different ways that municipal land development regulations can be improved upon. Once again, a lot of the zoning that we see in place today, not just here in Broward municipalities, but elsewhere, it's still based upon more enforcement than it is on incentives, particularly when it relates to what we're trying to accomplish here in terms of housing affordability. So th these, th there's just a number of different things, as you can see listed here, I won't get into every one of them. 
Um, and then we want to be able to expand municipal permitted uses in all municipalities, of course, providing for accessory dwelling units, ADUs, which I believe some cities already have. But, but we once again, we provided the framework for that, the model ordinance for that, that, that municipalities can use. The missing middle, which is those types of structures, that small multifamily, what an opportunity for a lot of municipalities that have talked about that, that, that transition from single family to multi or single family to commercial districts. Uh, that missing middle housing structure could be an ideal type, not just for the municipalities themselves, but real opportunities for your nonprofits and smaller builders that, that could either um, uh, 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 do, do an adaptive reuse of an existing structure that could accommodate that or actually build a small, smaller type multifamily property. And then the third one are multi-tenant housing units, something that we, have, we did not discuss back in, in December, but the more we looked at this across the country and in Canada and other places, this is becoming a really critical component uh, of, of a lot of governments, uh, affordable housing policies, uh, addressing uh, the need to, uh, to accommodate not only those who are maybe homeless, but potentially homeless, but temporary housing for students, for job relocatees coming here looking, looking for a job. Temporary housing for a lot of different needs in the right and the proper location. And once again, we're providing the framework for that, the guidelines for that. By the way, the City of Toronto has a uh, City of Toronto, Canada, has approved multi-tenant uh, multi housing units everywhere in the city, everywhere. Uh, so we're seeing more and more of this, and, and I think they're in, in, in the appropriate locations, this could be a really, really uh, important uh, type of structure that could address a, a range of different housing needs, particularly on, in terms of temporary housing. Um, and then the last point here, on, although there's, there's a number of other items that we, bring, that we include in the plan itself, is the idea of an ombudsman. Um, we think having that one person, and given my experience, our experience on, on this, and maybe your experience, that person needs to, be, needs to operate out of a city manager's type of office, or, or maybe the planning director, whoever it may be, but someone who can really guide each proposal that comes, comes in, in the door through, through the permitting process, but also to, to, to accommodate other types of uh, uh, requirements that, that may meet, need to be met, including funding. Uh, so we're, we're proposing that, uh, we're, we're, we're suggesting that in terms of creating an ombudsman would be actually fairly easy in Broward County because once again, you've got 14 municipalities that are entitlement communities, so you've got affordable housing committees already in place. So that ombudsman could be a person that could staff not only that committee, but obviously provide the ombudsman type of work uh, through, through a, a town manager or city manager's uh, office as well. So really important that we have that point person that understands what we're trying to accomplish, understands the responsibilities of the affordable housing master plan. In fact, that that person would be assigned that purpose to, to, to implement the affordable housing master plan at that municipal level. Uh, so that we think that's a really key recommendation that most municipalities uh, should be able to put in place without a whole lot of um, with a whole lot of effort. Um, we do have a um, a dashboard in within the plan itself. What I'm sharing with you the, for this morning's presentation simply is is the is the summary table of the dashboard, uh, which will look at every municipality. We'll be watching every municipality 
on, on an annual basis to see just how much has been produced, not only in terms of units, but how much money, funding, I should say. Uh, we're going to have to do that. We, we need to hold folks accountable, and, and this is the only way to do it. Uh, we've done something similar in the past. You may remember we had a scorecard some years ago back during the, during the first housing bubble. What we're doing now is something a little bit more sophisticated where we will track every municipality in terms of their progress, in terms of providing affordable housing at different levels, and also how successful they are in implementing policies, policy regulations, uh, and, and obviously any type of funding that they're able to contribute to addressing their, their own affordable housing needs. So with that, um, that's a quick summary um, of, the, uh, of the plan. There's a lot to read, as Commissioner Geller had mentioned. I'm glad you had read it. Thank, thank you. Um, all 40-something pages and uh, 51. 51. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mr. Murray, for the quick summary. Yes. Mr. Vice Mayor. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Murray. Yes. We have 18 speakers, and so we're going to go through them mm -hmm. first. Uh, I'm going to give two minutes, but if you can do less, that'd be great, so we, get, so we have more time for discussion. Um, so we're going to start with Marsha Berry-Smith, followed by Sandra Fezzi-Einhorn. Good morning. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good morning, Mayor Rich, Vice Mayor Fur, Board of County Commissioners and County Staff. My name is Marcia Barry-Smith. As President and CEO of MBS Consulting Advisors, I serve as a Senior Strategist for United Way's Housing United Initiative. Also, I serve as Chair of the Broward Housing Council. I'm elated today, elated that we may have a consensus on a plan that will truly address the catastrophe that is affordable housing in Broward County. I want to thank the Mayor, aptly referred to as the Queen Mother of Affordable Housing, the Commissioners, County Administrator Monica Spera, and especially the authors of the plan, Sandra Einhorn, Ralph Stone, and Dr. Ned Murray. Since 2018, Broad County has been awarded $1.02 billion in funding, which has produced almost 5,000 new affordable housing units. A shameless plug, Housing United has completed or started 366 new units in the last two years. Congratulations to you all. This was a product of a brilliantly planned, established, existing project funding initiative. And I say that based on my 30 years devoted to affordable housing and 40 years as a Broward resident. Today, I endorse and fully support your approval of a comprehensive master plan. In essence, this comprehensive plan is ingenious. I pray, yes, pray, that you will have full support garnered from the public, private, and philanthropic sectors in our community to guarantee we have committed and dedicated partners and resources ready to put practice into action. So many of us here today are for that, as am I at the ready to do just that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ms. Smith. Um, Sandra Einhorn, followed by Sam Behrens. That was a good way to kick that off. All right. Good morning, county admin, mayor, vice mayor, and commissioners. We are here 
16 months after we first started this conversation. Uh, I am really excited to launch the plan. The work certainly starts after today. The theme of the plan is leading the charge, sharing the burden. I want to again thank all of you for your leadership that you've shown in the last several years to address this critical issue. Your investment of more than $100 million has resulted in over a billion dollars of development across Broward County and many more billions of dollars in economic impact. I wanted to emphasize to you the importance of the many opportunities from partners in the public, private, and philanthropic sector that your commitment and investment are able to leverage. Among those are the federal and state grants that are more accessible to local governments that have skin in the game. More bites at the tax credit and sale program through Florida Housing Finance. Live Local, another opportunity to deliver up to 500 additional units that can create stronger neighborhoods. If all cities participate in the fair share recommendation, that's another 500 units. These start to add up and really have an impact and benefit to communities across Broward. While we know that density remains a hot topic among cities, we also have several best practice models here in Broward that show how smart density can benefit a neighborhood in need of housing units. If we continue to work collectively, we can deliver thousands of new units each year, strengthening our economy by stabilizing families. Currently, there's federal legislation being proposed for a 12% tax credit program in an acknowledgement that while this remains a nationwide trouble, it's going to take partnership at the local level to execute it in a way that's best for our residents and businesses. Nonprofit developers benefit from the potential of favorable finance terms through grant and lower interest loans with your funding commitment here today. Employer-assisted housing, a plan recommendation, is already being considered by some of the largest institutions and Broward employers. This plan and your investment supports all of these initiatives that are being pursued across the county. Addition That's it, my two minutes. Thank you. That was very good, very good. Sam Behrens, followed by Eugene Pettis. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you all today. Um, my name is Sam Behrens. I'm 23 years old, local of uh, Hollywood, Florida, and a uh, peer representing our uh, advocacy organization Better Streets Broward. We advocate for affordable housing and more uh, transit and multimodal options for residents of Broward County. It's clear on the, based on the presentation today that we are more than in a crisis of affordable housing in Broward County. Members of my generation, and I speak from personal experience, are, cannot imagine you know, moving out of their parents' houses or finding uh, uh, even an affordable place to rent, let alone buy one day. Um, I want to echo the sentiments of the uh, Dr. Murray from the Perez Center about uh, densification um, and the allowance of more multifamily and transit-oriented development in our cities in Broward County. That's uh, an area that I think is sorely lacking. And I do think that oftentimes at these meetings, you get people who are here to oppose housing. And I don't think you get enough voices that are here to support the construction of more housing, especially affordable housing in our municipalities. So I just want to be one of those voices that's here uh, to support this plan and any other efforts um, as far as the construction of the 100,000 or more units that we clearly need in Broward County to meet the critical housing shortage. Um, I also want to emphasize the importance of transit-oriented development. Um, this is really the future when it comes to urban planning. Um, and, you know, we're looking at this from the fact that we have a commuter rail system and tri-rail that's sorely underutilized um, and really could see a lot more transit-oriented development around the tri-rail stations up and down the corridor. Um, we've got huge park and ride lots that sit underutilized on a daily basis and uh, I, I think that that's a huge opportunity that, we're, that uh, could be addressed. 
Uh, also, with the coming of the Broward commuter rail, I think along the FEC corridor, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for transit-oriented development. So I just want to speak in support of that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. Next, we have uh, Eugene Pettis, followed by Tim Curtin. By the way, I just want to say, hi, Sam. <laughs> Good afternoon, uh, Mayor, uh, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. Eugene Pettis, uh, native of Fort Lauderdale, and, and uh, it's great to see that we're at a juncture where this is being addressed. I served on your previous Charter Review Commission, and uh, this was a big part. Affordable housing was a big part of our conversation over that couple of years or so. I'm here particularly, I grew up here in the northwest section of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I've seen a lot of progress uh, in those areas over the last couple of decades. Uh, as we sunset the CRA dollars and put them in, TIF dollars into one big fund, I tried to listen to the gentleman who did a comprehensive uh, presentation a little earlier. I want to make sure that we don't forget the DMSD uh, uh, areas. Uh, it's so easy with all the growth that I see in coming out of downtown heading west uh, that we forget those cities right in those areas, communities right in the middle. Uh, those communities need particular attention if we're going to have a holistic uh, Broward County. Uh, and it's very critical that we look to those communities for job developments and training. We look to those communities for policing. We look to those communities uh, to make sure that we're not being, uh, uh, we're not looking over them. This is a 30-year plan, and the graphs that I've seen put it at approximately $1.5, $1.6 billion. 30 years, none of us are going to be standing here. Uh, certainly, we won't be, you won't be on the commission. I probably, hopefully, won't be practicing law in, in, in this town. Uh, so it's very critical uh, that we're specific where we want these dollars uh, to go. And we don't leave out any communities, including those unincorporated communities that you all are the caretakers of. Uh, it's important that there's specificity in your documents, that commissions in the future will not think uh, that they are not a part of this plan. Thank you very much. Um, Tim Curtin, followed by Cole Fisher. Good morning, Mayor morning, Bridge, Vice Mayor B. Fur, and uh, Commissioners. Uh, Tim Curtin, Memorial Healthcare System. Memorial is a community-based healthcare system, and certainly housing is a major, major community issue today. Um, back in 2023, we purchased a nine-acre uh, nine parcel on the corner of 441 and Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, we've explored what we to do with this uh, property, and what we've come up with is we're going to have some medical services on the property, but we're also going to include uh, housing, and we're going to mix in that housing attainable workforce housing. Um, we are going to we're meeting with developers now, and we should have a contract with a housing developer by this summer, and we'll certainly keep uh, the, the the commission abreast uh, as we make progress on that. Um, I'm also part of the employee relief fund at Memorial. Uh, and this is a fund driven by employees, employee donations, and some of our foundation uh, donations as well. And we listened to some of our stories of our employees, and these are employees making anywhere from $20 an hour to $40 an hour on the stress and, and, and the complications and the issues that exist related to housing. And we hear these stories every, every week. And uh, I certainly applaud the commission on moving forward with this, uh, with this issue. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Cole Fisher, followed by Jesse Scipio. 
Morning, Cole. Morning, all. Um, I'm a lifelong Broward County resident, currently live in Fort Lauderdale, and I think a lot of what I've seen in this plan is very good, especially echoing some of the things people have mentioned about the increasing densification, especially in areas with heavy transit and areas where lots of people are going um, for, to and from, as was mentioned. And I think um, this, almost everything in this plan is a good way to get um, the kind of increased housing need to meet the increased housing need we've seen in Fort Lauderdale and in Broward County as a whole without um, necessarily needing to make huge sacrifices. Um, for example, letting people build just an extra and accessory dwelling unit, as mentioned, is not going to necessarily change a neighborhood, but it will increase housing, which will help fix the, will help aid the affordable housing issue. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jesse Scipio, followed by Patrick Saris. Good morning. Good afternoon, Commission. My name is uh, Jesse Scipio. I am the president of the Blue Water Gardens HOA uh, Association. I've been here a few times and uh, uh, concerning issues that concern my, uh, my community. And I've uh, been here a long time. I uh, came in 73 and I've seen many commissioners uh, uh, sit on the diocese there. And uh, living in the BMSD, uh, I uh, expressed my concern now that as we move forward with it's uh, a program that you are launching that uh, my communities will be uh, left out. And I am here to uh, ask that you don't forget us. You mentioned the 15 entitlement uh, communities and uh, we are not one of them. So we don't get federal and we don't get any state dollars. We depend on you to do the commission to take care of us. And in, in the past, you've done a, a decent job, but then again, you can do better. So again, I'm here to say that, uh, make it equitable, let us get all slice of the pie from that. Don't overlook us because we need it also. There, uh, there's a, a housing shortage in our communities also. Uh, I never thought that it would come to this, but uh, I, back in the, I think it was the 80s, I took a tour to uh, uh, New Mexico, and we took a tour with these uh, native uh, Indians, and I noticed that all the adobe houses there, they had no, there was nothing uh, great to look at, and the land was undeveloped, and. Uh, the two guide was an Indian female, and uh, she said uh, that when uh, the last tree is cut down, the last stream is dammed, the last fish is caught, and I take this, not, not racist, but she said, white man will realize he can't eat money. Thank, Thank you, you, Jesse. Next speaker is Patrick Sarris, followed by Ina Lee. Hi, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. Um, I do believe that affordable housing is something that is incredibly important. Um, it seems that there's overwhelming support. The reluctance I have is to dedicate 100% of TIF funding for 30 years is something that's difficult to imagine. I do believe it would be doing a service to the people of Broward County for them to put this on the ballot and for have people to vote on it. Um, there are a lot of incentives that are coming down the pipeline. Um, Commissioner Geller mentioned earlier, Live Local Act is going to be doling out a lot of incentives. There's going to be a lot of rebates for um, developers that are purchasing um, building materials to help them incentivize the development. And there will also be different tax incentives for them. We have no idea what our tax is going to look like as far as the tax revenue base in the next five years once these developments are completed, because many of them are going to be able to have either reduced, significantly reduced taxes or pay no taxes at all. 
Um, while I do think it's very, very important that everyone has a place to live, um, I also think we want to be incentivizing home ownership and business building and economic development. So I, um, in its current form, I definitely reject um, the proposal today. I think it's unfair. I think the people of the county need to be informed and need to have the opportunity to ask more questions and get an understanding of how exactly this is going to be enforced. I've seen a lot of people from, um, from different communities say that they don't want to be left out. Right now, there's no conditions or provisions in place to make sure that people that live in all different parts of this county um, are represented and get some of the um, get some of the benefits of this proposal. Thank you. Sir, what is your name again? Patrick Series. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Ina Lee, followed by Bob Swindell. Good morning, Ina. Uh, uh, Mayor Rich, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, Monica Sapiro, everyone else who's worked tirelessly on this plan. I'm not going to reiterate what everyone else is saying today, but I do want to point out a couple things. Um, clearly, I represent tourism and have been for a very long time. What, and one of the things I do is I'm on the Federal Reserve Board of Atlantis Tourism and Travel Council, and periodically, at least once per quarter, we're asked by the federal feds to ask certain questions of our, our hoteliers. And one of those questions every single time has been on workforce housing and employment issues. It's getting worse, not better. And that's very, very concerning. But one of the things that I've noticed changed over the last couple of years, this is now impacting our hotel industry, our restaurants and everyone else to keep managers in place, let alone people that work with um, uh, hourly wages. They, people that are making really good salaries cannot afford to live in Broward County. Half of my small business staff cannot afford to live in Broward County anymore. They're way remote. They don't even come down to Broward anymore. And I'm just a small business, let alone the major hotels that are being impacted this and the restaurants. So I think that, and the other thing too, even within the city of Fort Lauderdale, they cannot get the police force they need because they can't afford to live in this county. That's a problem. You've already heard from the medical industry and you'll hear a lot more. So I implore us to move forward with this. Yes, clearly there are things that may need to be tweaked along the line. But this is a plan that's been vetted by people that are way more experts in this field than I am. So thank you for everything you're doing. We've made really good progress. There's a lot more to go, folks, and I hope we keep on going in this direction. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ina. Bob Swindell, followed by Walter Duke. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Vice, Vice Mayor, uh, Mayor Rich, uh, Commissioners, uh, County Leaders, Monica Sapero and Drew. Good to see you all this morning. I, too, am happy to be before you today. Um, I think you've got a comprehensive plan that is going to be one of the best practices nationwide when we look at communities that are addressing this issue on their own. I think that uh, the thought that's gone into this and that it's an action-oriented plan. Two things in particular that I really am in favor of. The first is, uh, is household income diversity within the, the developments, which I think is critically important. So people see a, a variety of work, a, lot, a variety of careers. I think it's important to young people as they grow up in, in these communities and these different developments. The second is trying to streamline the process. Um, last week, um, Principal Griffin asked me to come back to my high school. Uh, Boyd Anderson was uh, the recipient of a synthetic ice, ice rink, so uh, uh, athletes could practice at Boyd Anderson. Um, 
Anthony Duclair, a former Panthers player, is the one that uh, dedicated. First synthetic rink that his foundation has dedicated in the country went to Boyd Anderson. While I was there, I also stopped by where I went to fifth grade, which is Rock Island Elementary. And uh, later that night, I went to the Oakland Park City Commission to support an Urban League project there, 460 units. But what I was amazed at and talked to Jermaine Smith-Ball about was the number of barriers and the complications. I think that project is a perfect example of bringing a lot of different stakeholders together to make something happen. Um, we need to encourage more of those projects. Um, the last thing I, I'd say, and, and hopefully give, have you give some thought to this, is that I think the wisdom of your existing commitment that allows flexibility, so you can direct the county administrator any particular year to invest more than 50% toward affordable housing, I think is very wise. I'd hate to look at us do, attack this issue one-sided. I think we've got to raise wages through recruiting high-skill, high-wage jobs here and create an inventory of housing. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Walter Duke followed by Heiko Dubrakow. Morning, Walter. Good morning. Uh, Mayor Rich, Vice Mayor Furr, Commission, uh, Monica, hello, good morning. Um, you guys know how I feel about you. Uh, really proud of your efforts over the last three years in particular just unbelievable state leading investment that's making a big difference and where we've gotten here today is just absolutely unbelievable you know in 2018 470,000 voters or over 72 percent of our voters overwhelmingly approved an amendment to the county's charter asking the Broward County commissioners to establish the Broward County affordable housing land use tr uh, trust fund which they did in 2019 as Gene Pettis mentioned you, you adopted Broward next Affordable housing was identified as a top priority. Over 250 positive comments were received at that time. It's, if the recommendations of this master plan are fully adopted, it will result in good quality affordable housing for approximately 85,000 low-income residents and from all populations in our county. We know from existing impact studies that for every $5 million invested, for a typical 100-unit community in this county, there's a seven-to-one return on construction cost impacts and the payback period for positive economic impacts and res ongoing resident spending is less than three years. Applying these metrics to the $2.07 billion investment projected in the master plan calls for the production of nearly 40,000 good quality affordable housing units. Ooh, that is a fast clock you've got there. Well, you got 30 seconds, yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna create $800 million annually in resident spending. When these residents aren't strapped to their house payments and their mortgage payments and their rent payments, they're better consumers. That to the tune of $800 million a year. Today you have in front of you a once in a generation opportunity here in Broward County. I've been here since 66, my business is here, 50 year business. You can demonstrate to your constituents who've overwhelmingly supported this issue since 2018 by showing your support for these three motions, and by doing so, putting Broward on a path for long-term economic sustainability and the prosperity for future generations. Thank you. Thank you, Walter. Heiko, followed by Courtney Biscardi. Wonderful, good morning. Uh, good morning. Madam Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, County Administrator. Uh, 2016 is the first conversation that I had with Nan Rich, and she talked about the housing crisis. And um, today I'm here as the chairman for Career Source Broward, your local workforce development board. And uh, I want to thank you really for taking this initiative up and on and, and really creating change out there and making it a priority 
to hopefully getting all 31 municipalities to row in the same direction. We at CareerSource have been really focusing on the prosperity zip codes and really getting into those communities and really changing the quality of life. Now, the most important question you have to ask yourself today is, how do we become a county that's going to attract not only high-paying jobs, but also hourly service labor force? That's going to be important because at the end of the day, there still needs to be an element of service for our community by so many. And it cannot be only high-paying jobs. It needs to be a community of all. We proudly shrank the deficit from 40% to 4.3%. We currently have a tight labor market of 2.8%. We currently have 32,000 open positions out there in the labor force that is looking for jobs that are 31,000. The workforce housing deficit is at about 147,000 as the plan actually reflected when you take a look at this. The population growth of our area is about 10,000 new residents a year. By 2027, we will surpass 2 million residents that all need that kind of a service. When you look at the current most top advertised jobs that are out there, these ones are hourly positions. These are the folks that are really in the trenches, rolling up their sleeves and getting to work and making it happen. Well, with that said, I want to tell you that I'm supporting this particular plan. I want to applaud you for everything that you're doing. Great job and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Um, Courtney Briscardi, followed by Kathleen Cannon. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Courtney Biscardi. I'm the Executive Vice President for the Urban League of Broward County. And let me first start by saying thank you, Mayor Nan Rich, Vice Mayor Furr, and all the commissioners and our County Administrator, Monica Sapero, and staff. We just want to thank you for your leadership on this topic. I stand here today on behalf of our President and CEO, Dr. Jermaine Smith-Baugh, who often says when she's at these podiums, she's here representing the community members who can't be here. And I would add that many of those folks are working and can't afford to take a day off. And so if you know anything about the Urban League, you know that we are here to ensure economic self-reliance parity, power, and civil rights for our communities disenfranchised. And those who come into our doors every day are struggling because they're paying more than 50% of their income on their housing costs. These are bus drivers, these are cashiers, these are public servants in our community who honestly help this community run, but they can't enjoy the benefits of what our great county has to offer because they're spending so much on housing. Some of you may or may not know that the Urban League of Broward County and our subsidiary Central County CDC is a housing, affordable housing developer. And we are endeavoring to build 469 units as referenced by Bob Swindell in the city of Oakland Park. We've been successful in passing the Planning and Zoning Board, the commission as well, and soon will be before you. But what I would like to say is the plan that you have in front of you gives great opportunity for us to be able to build that development successfully. There are incentives that drive those who want to develop affordable housing to increase or encourage us to do so, not just for us, but others who endeavor to do the same. It creates an amazing opportunity for public-private partnership as well, and will go a long way in helping us build our capital stack to see that vision come to reality. So I really do urge you all to say yes, accept this plan, as well as consider the transition of those TIF funds so that we can continue to build affordable housing in this county. Thank Good you. Good <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. Kathleen Cannon followed by Harry Moon. 
Thank you so much, uh, Mayor Rich. I know you can hear us. Thank you, commissioners, um, uh, county administrator, and deputy for all your commitment really to this community. So I am here on behalf of the United Way of Broward County. My name is Kathleen Cannon. I am a social worker by trade, so I am really here representing every citizen um, of Broward County. I am in approval and asking you uh, to approve this as well. I know uh, Commissioner Geller stepped away. I know there might be pieces um, that we really want to address, and I think the entire community is interested in addressing those and making sure that happens. I think you know that United Way, we published something called the ALICE Report. That stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. It's using data, and it studies our community and the state, but right here in Broward County, uh, ALICE means people that are working super hard but falling short, no fault of their own. And most of the reason for that happening is their cost of housing. You heard all the stats and the data already. 40, 50, 60% of their income is going towards housing. It's unsustainable. If we can fix that issue for all of those folks, they will spend more money in Broward County. They will um, have money left over. That whole community rises and thrives when we do that. United Way, we've got skin in the game. Um, we've done five million in philanthropy for several projects around the county. We just purchased an apartment building in Pompano Beach for transitional veteran housing. Um, but we are going to ask that we all work together. I've got great nonprofits that are sitting here. All of us are partners. But philanthropy cannot do it alone. It has to be public-private. We've got so many businesses here today as well out in favor of this plan. It is really public-private partnerships, all of us coming together to really solve this issue. You know the data from Dr. Murray, but I want to remind people, behind every data point, there is a family, a family that is struggling, a person that is struggling, and together as a community, we can make this happen. So thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Uh, Harry Moon, followed by Mayor Levy. Well, uh, good morning, uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, Administration. Uh, I want to first uh, congratulate you on compiling this data. Uh, representing Nova Southeastern University as its president-elect, I look to what we can envision for the university in the years to come. The greatest threat to higher education is the cost of education. That cost is not only tuition, it's housing. It's transportation. It's the whole gamut of what we do to educate an individual, retain the faculty, and take this university to its next level of becoming an R1 university with expanded research opportunities, clinical trials, and capitalizing on our great strengths in healthcare. I want to tell you and let you know that we stand as a willing partner to help you achieve these noble causes that are truly existential for many of those in our community and for the future of the university and how we excel and create a stronger fabric for the community that we enjoy and grow and are responsible for. So I welcome the opportunity to engage with you as we have in the library system and our center of innovation and I look forward to that very much. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Mayor Levy followed by Tim Petrillo. Morning, Mayor. Good morning still, uh, members of the County Commission. Uh, it's great to be here to talk about this. I know that this has uh, certainly been a community-wide endeavor for a long time, and thanks to the leadership of uh, Mayor Rich and all of you, here we are today with, I think, a great menu of, of opportunity that helps guide our 31 municipalities and the county on how we 
um, help chip away at the sincerely you know, acute need that we have to add affordable housing in Broward County. Each day I speak with Hollywood residents. It could be a 20-something who's uh, living alone or a group of senior citizens that are, that are just collecting their uh, Social Security, and each one of them have a housing uh, you know, uh, issue of being able to afford, and they're in a crisis mode. Mayor, what, what can we do? Where do we go? And I, you know, inside myself say, wow, I really wish that all the affordable housing that we have in the construction could just be ready because we have the need today, um, let alone, you know, waiting for a year or two or three to, for some of the projects to be finished. But what I want to leave you with is this, that I think in the city of Hollywood, you can really look to us as really a case study that over the past five years, I've really implemented a lot of these um, endeavors that you have in this master plan. And it's, I think, you can see that, it's, that it, if, when put to use, it works. Together with the city's investment, the county's investment, the state finance, housing uh, uh, corporations, tax credits, we have over 700 units under either recently completed, planned, or under construction right now in Hollywood. And we're not only looking at it as you know, dollars spent for that one single unit. These are dollars that are strategically, when done strategically, like on State Road 7 and in the downtown and with commuter rail, when you deploy them in areas that are ripe for residential mixed use, like State Road 7 in Hollywood, that's you know, for decades been aging uh, and is, is prime for uh, residential mixed use uh, opportunities where the county plans its, its uh, uh, mobility advancement program connectivity. You place affordable housing there like we have and we invested together with you, Pinnacle uh, 441, both phases, 200 units next to the mobility hub that we just celebrated the opening of, next to where Memorial Healthcare System will have housing for its healthcare workers and the like. There's a lot of connecting the dots that can be done with this and so I encourage you not to look at it as just you know, the dollar per unit, but rather how we can really transform large areas of the county strategically. You can work, I think, with each city and determine where is your strategic location where we can invest with you and really recreate that strategic node in your own city where you might not realize affordable housing can be today in a way that complements the city. We, I just want to mention, because there's sometimes a stigma on affordable housing on how it looks or what have you, I invite all of the cities and all of you to visit some of the affordable housing projects that have been completed, like Hudson Village on on Federal Highway in Hollywood. These are beautiful buildings that complement the neighborhood, that have even uplifted, and uh, I think would take away a lot of the stigma. So the need's great, uh, the tools are here. Um, I invite you to Hollywood to see how it works, and, and I think we can multiply this a lot going forward. Thank, Thank you. Mayor. Tim Petrillo followed by Phil Purcell. I know I don't look like Tim Petrillo. <laughs> he had to leave for a hard stop. He asked me to read this, is that okay? okay? Yeah. okay. Uh, thank you, Mayor, Commissioners, and our County Administrator, Monica Sapero, for your leadership in addressing this crisis. My name is Tim Petrillo. I am the CEO of the Restaurant People. We operate 12 restaurants in Broward with 800 employees of those who have approximately, excuse me, 800 employees of those. We have approximately 110 people in management with an average annual income of 78,000. In the last 12 months, we have lost 12 managers, five in the last six weeks, and non-management positions, the total number of people is approximately 75 people. These team members chose to leave, not to our competitors, not for a change of career, but solely based on the cost of living and access to affordable housing. They've decided to move to places like Jupiter, Fort Pierce, Orlando, North Carolina. With tourism being one of our largest industries, it's critical we address the housing crisis to ensure the health of our service workforce. It takes people to provide great service without proper services, tourists have choices, chases, choices of where else to go. And so we want to make sure that we continue to keep this sector strong. So um, even though we're growing from luxury business to economy, both with our workforce, we will not remain a top choice for our tourists. Keep in mind, tourists can, can, can currently make a 
roughly only 35% of our businesses. So the problem is way better, bigger than just tourism, which is what you've heard today. We are more than willing to help address this problem. We've already explored doing our employee housing project, but with the cost of land so expensive, it's almost impossible to make these numbers work without subsidies. Thank you for your time and commitment to focus on this critical issue. Thank you, Anna. And Tim. Uh, Philip, Philip Purcell, followed by David Clark, and he will be our last speaker. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Mayor, uh, Vice Mayor, uh, Commissioners, uh, County Administrator. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to pull this up. I wish the solution for this was just everyone buy a boat. That'd be great, but it's not. <laughs> um, you know, the solution is going to take all of us to be at the table, and we're willing to be at the table. You know, we're an $18.5 billion industry, you know, in this region, but in Broward, the bulk of it, $9.8 billion is in Broward. So it means a lot. And this is at the tip of everyone's tongue. All the time when a business is going to, when someone's going to acquire a business or they're going to move here in our industry, the first thing they ask is, what does the workforce look like? So we had to find a solution for that. So we started an apprenticeship program five years ago at Atlantic Technical. The other thing was housing. You know, whether it's owning or renting, those are big issues. So we started working with Habitat about seven years ago, eight years ago, and we built three houses with them. Biggest problem there is finding the houses because Habitat's not a handout, it's a hand up at the end of the day. So we're real good working with our community partners. We're real good working with the electeds. Transportation plays a huge role in this, but equally important, our industry wants to help support it. So whatever you need from us, we're there to help. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. And our last speaker will be David Clark. Morning, David. Good afternoon, uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commission, uh, County Administrator. So I'm here on behalf of Broward Health. My name is David Clark, and I'm Senior Vice President of Operations. In my role, I'm, I'm here to support the long-term master plan, strategic growth, and operational sustainability for the organization. As many of you know, Broward Health has been an anchor in this community for now coming up on 86 years, providing health care to the upper two-thirds of Broward County. We have over about 10,000 employees, 3,000 just dedicated to the, uh, to the downtown area and the other percentages around our other four campuses. Um, when we take a deep analysis of our own campuses and our strategic growth, when you look at a three-mile radius, particularly between all of our four campuses, that looks to be a 1.52 to 2.28% annual growth rate. And when you look at that as a glide path over 10 years, that's significant. As we continue to do a lot of labor force analysis, both on the clinical and non-clinical side, but specifically in the support service side, there are many different challenges in housing with many different of our community needs assessment. When you look at social economic, um, social uh, economics of healthcare, uh, as we continue to uh, grow our footprint around our campuses through land acquisitions and medical and, and office building acquisitions, we've done a many different analysis of mixed use development on many of our campuses. Uh, we've looked at inpatient and outpatient uh, uses, medical office space uses, assistant living space, retail, but housing continues to be an anchor use in all of our campuses um, across, um, across our system. So Broward Health's uh, here to thank the County Commission and the commi and County Administrator Monica Sapero for their leadership so far, and we're here to foster a partnership and strong support of this item and look forward to different ways to work with you all together. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Okay, that is our last speaker, and we have 15 minutes, <laughs> which is not much, um, to, to discuss um, one of the major issues of our in our county. So we'll, let's start, and I think we're probably going to have to continue this somewhere along the line, uh, is my guess. Commissioner, we're going to get like a minute and a half. 
30 seconds. You start, and you, with you started. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Ms. Mayor, so with the understanding that we're going to come back and finish this, not try and get this all in today, I'm only going to talk for about two minutes on the non-controversial items that I have. Is that correct, that we will be coming back to finish this? Well, it's up to, I mean, it's up to all of us, but I think this is a, this warrants a very robust right. discussion. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, and that's There's 50 pages, a lot, I mean, a lot 51. of great stuff, but a lot of people <laughs> have brought up some things that we're, we're, are worth talking about. Uh, so, I, I agree completely. So, so I, just I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I want to make sure we'll come back fish. In that case, Dr. Murray, are you still here? We're, okay. Oh, there you are. All right. Um, these are just the, what I would term non-controversial items that you might want to look at. Uh, on page six of your report, when you refer to 37357999 dollars, you don't really explain what that money is. You said that's the money goes going to the um, the entitlement cities, but if you could elaborate on is that just the housing dollars? What is that? What, you don't need to answer any of what I'm telling you right now. These okay. are just sure. technical issues. Commissioner, um, let me break, let me break yeah. in just one second. Because we're, if we're going to try to do a 1230 hard stop, because I know we have a, why don't we try to give everybody just a real quick, quick overview instead of a lot of questions, and, and then we'll do a continuance. Does that make sense? Sure. Whatever, however okay. you want to do it. In that okay. case. I'm just trying to figure out. Okay. In that case, there's a number of it. I will completely change my <laughs> remarks. Uh, instead of going to the non-controversial ones, I'll go to the controversial ones without debating any of them, just to let you know some of the issues that I have some questions with. Um, I have some questions, as Mr. Pettis brought up in Mr. Series, about the 50% to 100%. I know that um, Acting Mayor Furr has previously raised issue with that, um, thinking we need to improve our community. So I have some questions on that. Um, I have some questions when you talked about the density bonus for, you said affordable housing. I think there should be density bonus for all housing. Um, love ADUs. I would ask you to meet with Ralph Stone and include some information in here on, uh, Mr. Stone has told me that our 25, 30 year population increases 14,000 people per year average, and we are currently at 2.1 people per housing unit average, which means we need 7,000 new units a year just to keep up with population growth. I think you should mention that in your report. Um, the, um, I want to clarify that this list of the cities is not a mandatory list. I think the county should be encouraging them but I have always respected home rule and local government's ability to make local zoning decisions, and I want to clarify that that's what we're doing here, making suggestions only to the cities. Um, I want to discuss uh, the, uh, the employer uh, housing more because there, I have concerns there can be rentals, what happens when somebody loses their job, or. Thing, things of that nature. I want to go over that with you at greater length. The biggest issue I had probably is on page 47 of your report, and this is the last item I'm discussing, is um, you had, you know, 
we're talking about creating a relatively, using all of these over 30 years, we're still talking about creating a relatively small amount of affordable housing. I realize it's as much as we can, but some of the items, for example, the impact fees, excuse me, um, we're talking about um, the local surtax every time a home is sold, that's going to affect every, increase the price of every home. Impact fees will increase the price of every home. I am concerned about increasing the price of every home that is built or every home that is sold to be dealing with a relatively small amount of affordable housing because I think we'll impact a lot more hurt affordability and a lot more than we're helping. And the same thing with the, um, uh, there was a commercial that you wanted to add. Um, uh, also, is, um, I need to find the exact page, it's either 47 or 48, that you wanted to add surtax on new commercial development. Again, we need the jobs. I am just concerned that we need to do a careful analysis on whether or not that's going to be more helpful or more harmful uh, by increasing costs in that area. So that's all we have time for, but these are the major categories that I wanted to talk about. Love ADUs, love transit-oriented development. When you re if you redraft this, we need to make sure that we're not talking about considering rail corridors transit-oriented development, but rather the area near the rail stations as opposed to the corridors. That's all, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Fisher. Yeah, Dr. Murray, thank you so much. It's, um, it's been an enlightening process that I've been able to experience here at the county level, so thank you so much. I don't have any problem with, with the report itself, obviously, just some tweaking and what uh, Senator Gell was talking about as well. Um, just want to have some discussion on B, you know, whether we want to do the 100%, et cetera. So I have a hard 1230. I've got to step out, but I just wanted to see, Mayor, if we're going to continue on. Also, I want to hear from Mayor Rich, too, at the end of the day as well. So I just want to continue the discussion if we can. Yep. Okay. Commissioner Udine. Thank you. And I'm going to be very brief because I'll go in more detail when the time comes to go in more detail. A couple things, though, that I have to feel like I have to point out right now. First thing is, I, I see in the report that the county's increase in their TIF increment financing is 100%. The municipalities is only 50%. I have a problem with that. I don't know why the county would want to tie their hands with our increments uh, and our increases without the municipalities being fully aboard. I'm one of the people, and I agree with what Mr. Jesse said and what Mr. Pettis kind of said. You know, people that didn't live in these CRAs actually financed for 30 years all of these, all of these improvements. And now the investment's coming back, and, we're, and, and the county theoretically has made some dollars. There could be lots of things we want to do with that money. It could go in the, BSM, uh, the municipal service district. It could be for different programs that we have. It could be to lower the burden of all the people that are paying all the bills. The taxpayers, it could be to lower the millage rate, because that's what happens when you make an investment in something, you want those dollars back. The counties all, over the last few years have put 50% of those dollars in. I'm not going much higher than that until I see the cities make a bigger commitment as well. Second thing along those lines, Mayor Levy makes a great point. 
Hollywood has done a lot of good things, but there's only 10 municipalities out of 31 that are here. Everybody that's in this room and everyone that's up on this dais sees what happens whenever we talk about any kind of density. Coconut, we just talked about the one that I just had to recuse myself going from one unit per acre to two units per acre, and it becomes, you know, a, a knockdown drag out. So, you know, there's got to be more of a commitment to the municipalities if this is, you know, truly the greatest problem that they're seeing. Second thing is from the tourist board, I love what our tourism industry does in South Florida, and this is a huge problem. A, they could pay their employees more. These are great jobs, but really it's, there's a numerator and a denominator to all of these problems. So you could fix this by paying people more. It's not only coming to the county commission and saying, take all your dollars that you have, go to the taxpayers and say, let's pay more so we can build more affordable housing. You know, the tourism people that have come and they've spoken here, when we talk about using some of those tourist tax dollars, then all of a sudden the problem's not as big because they don't want to spend one penny on that. So there's a lot more to this to unpack when we actually have to do this. Um, those are just kind of some things. I agree with the Geller Amendment. I think that that's probably uh, one of the better things that we're doing for affordable housing. I don't care how many reports you write. I don't care how many groups we put together. And I respect the hell out of the people that have done this because this is an insurmountable problem. We're not going to do this until we fix the supply and demand. And when 10,000 people are coming into Broward County, there just is not enough units. I love what they're building in Oakland Park for 462 units, but we need 77,000. By the time that 462 is done, that 77,000 number will increase much more. So we have to look at this in different creative ways. I support what you have in this plan because I think we need to tackle it, but I'm not supporting going up to 100% on TIF increment financing from the county. Uh, and I do support the transit corridors. Commissioner Ryan. What has really become obvious in this discussion is that you can't really uh, separate uh, economic development from affordable housing. So uh, if you look at what our menu of uh, you know, possible you know, funding sources are, you know, we went over the uh, tax increment financing, and of course that will give you your funding year after year. Um, but it's a small amount of you know, what's necessary to, to really make you know, significant progress. Um, I think uh, rather than an exact amount, it's more important um, is how do we um, have a funding source that we can then, you know, leverage at the federal and the state level to, uh, you know, multiply it three, four, six times. Uh, and then the last thing on the, on the, on the menu of funding um, seems to me that, um, you know, we have to, Somewhere in this equation, we have to bring in, um, you know, a um, recurring uh, sales tax as a, uh, you know, a revenue source. And what amount it would be, um, you know, it depends on, you know, what our other needs are for, you know, we're using a penny now for transportation. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, um, a commitment of, uh, of funding for, you um, you know, for infrastructure, for uh, climate resiliency, and you want to, you know, put in some um, healthcare services into that mix, and you want to put in affordable housing, you know, if we have like an, uh, an available penny left, 
you know, for our future needs, um, you know, how do you divvy that up? Uh, on the other part, where you talk about, like, what is the, uh, you know, the menu of uh, what our economic solutions are, seems to be that, uh, you know, first thing is you want to, uh, you know, target certain, uh, you know, zip codes or communities, you know, that, you know, have the, uh, the best outcomes based upon, you know, opportunities for, uh, for people that have uh, uh, transportation uh, challenges and, uh, you know, daycare for the kids and things like that. Uh, you want to look at targeted uh, occupations and professions um, that, you know, will give us those high-paying jobs that, you know, the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance and everybody else always speaks to. And then uh, I think finally, you know, targeting, uh, you know, who our partners uh, will be and, and how we work with those partners year after year. And it's not a short-term plan to really come up with some solutions. So it's a, uh, it's a daunting, uh, you know, endeavor, but uh, at least I think we've scratched the surface a little bit. And I think that in particular, Mr. Mayor, can I move that we continue this, uh, the agenda to the completion of this item? I'll take a second. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Um, okay. and, and in particular, I think that uh, the, uh, you know, discussion with, uh, you know, everybody here from the different industries and, um, and uh, with different ideas really did a lot to move this along. And uh, I'm encouraged that we are on the right path and uh, we're going to need to do a, a workshop, you know, on this issue alone to, uh, to move forward. Thank you. Commissioner McKenzie. I had a lot to say, but I guess we're going to have an opportunity to uh, come back and, and revisit this. But uh, I, I agree with um, um, your, your study's fine. If we're going to accept it as a report, it's one thing. But if we accept it as a plan moving forward, uh, as Senator Gello said, it has, has some holes in it. That I'm sure that even you would say, let's go back and look at these and see what we can do to address them. And Something stood out to me that, two things. One was, one was when you made the comment that we have to go beyond Andrews with this. I thought that was an accurate statement. I, you all hear me talk about it all the time, whether it's tourism, no matter what. We, we've done a poor job at going past Andrews. And the other one was, in your study, you said you reached out will include all 31 municipalities. That's great. But no one ever spoke of the BMSD, um, the unincorporated pockets. Um, and maybe it's in there somewhere, but it's not extracted out like we did the, the other cities. And I think that's important. And you look at this morning, we did the, uh, the um, Black History Moment uh, with the proclamation. And we spoke uh, truth to power about the African-American Research Library. Well, without, uh, that's in the BMSD. And the BMSD never got a funding from a CRA. They never had their CRA activated. Um, and there's five different versions, I believe, of um, changing of the guards, commissions, uh, um, um, county administrators, where things just changed to just make sure things would happen. And that's one of the blessings um, that comes from the administrator uh, and staff uh, by not having a CRA over there. Uh, we got that. 
We got Urban League. Um, we got some things done without ever having a TIF because they never funded the CRA. But we did heavy lifting, whether it was from this dais or from the administration. Uh, and what we're looking for is assurances when we move forward that you know we don't leave anybody out of this this affordable housing um, demand that we have. And and we, we none of us talk about low income. We keep talking about affordable, affordable. And and what is that? I think we saw the average um, rent price was at, I think starting at 2,800. Walter, was it 2,800? I mean, I don't know where that's aff affordable. Um, in anywhere in the circles I run, in terms of affordability, and then it goes up. Um, when I was at the city of Fort Lauderdale, in my district, uh, I had the most um, inventory of low income. So I didn't really advocate for more low income because that can, could, could ruin a city. That could ruin um, a, a district and create um, how we got into this whole scenario in the beginning of having to create CRAs uh, because of the uh, lack of interest, lack of uh, institutions wanting to, to invest uh, in those areas. So 30 years ago, the government said we have to do something different. And now we're at the threshold, and I'm gonna stop, where we're gonna, these, 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 these funds are sunsetting. And we're saying, let's take these funds down, let's do something different, and I think we're all struggling. I think uh, Commissioner Udine hit it right on the head. B. B, when you're saying take 50% and make it 100%, that won't even deal with the 1,000% of units that we really need. And I think what happened in, in Oakland Park, I fought for the Urban League to, to, to get that, that development. It was very difficult talking to, to the communities. But we got there the other night, and we have it. But the Urban League wouldn't be here if we had to wait on the TIF because you're in the unincorporated area. So B, this equation, I, I cannot support uh, moving forward, but I told Broward Workshop day one, you know, I, I like the efforts of, of um, how we move forward with affordable housing, but this, this new numerator uh, is, 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 is what's disturbing me this morning and how we move forward uh, uh, with this whole concept. So if we could take this out, but I still think there's going to be some other things in there, according to the to the Gala 32 pages of questions um, that we need to look at, you know, and, and tweak. So where where are we going to go from here? Because I, I I do want to drill down on some things, but by the same token, B is what really kept me in a meeting with my administrator longer than the time that we typically allot. Uh, and I don't know how how this got on here. I mean, in terms of, I know A was, was coming, I knew that, but B seemed like it just got put at the front of the line. That's how it looks to me. So I can't deal with B, but I do want to participate in this conversation. I think uh, 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 Commissioner Ryan hit it on the head, a, work, a workshop so we can really work out the details uh, 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 in, in the pudding, if you will. Okay, Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. As we continue this discussion, I see already that the ugly face of not in my backyard will be a major discussion. We saw that this morning. As I listened, I said, I am landlocked. I have a corridor that is one of the most traveled corridors, and yet we're looking at you know, land use that will bring more housing on those um, quarters 
And it's not just 14 units. We're talking thousands of units if I look at all of my corridors. And I don't hear my residents complaining because we need it. So we have to continue that education. Discussions around um, service industry and the medical industry. This is my first time hearing a focus in that area. And they're not the highest paid, and we need for those folks to remain here because we need those industries to survive. So everyone needs to be represented. And that's where my focus will be, to see what we're not covering and continuing to talk to our communities. I am looking for a workshop, not just adding something to an agenda. So I just want to say that we'll have more discussions. Okay, that, uh, Commissioner Rich, um, I'm gonna, everybody else has had a chance to speak. Commissioner okay. Rich, if you wanna wrap this up. I am seeing, yeah. a, 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 not a consensus yet, but looking like the discussion wants to go further. Yes. Um, whether it goes to a workshop, yeah, I think we need to decide that. Uh, it probably would make sense. Um, but Commissioner Rich, if you want to um, wrap this up, and then we'll go from there, and we'll figure yeah. out how to go how go, how to go forward. Okay. Well, I, I will say it's somewhat disappointing because we have done so much groundwork uh, for over a year on this plan, and um, I, I just want to reiterate a couple of points here because the, the things keep coming about at individual things. Do you support accessory dwelling units? Do you support you know, this or that. That is not the point here. The point was that, that, that Dr. Murray, that Dr. Murray and, and Ralph Stone and all the people who participated in the 60 groups came up with different thoughts and ideas. Dr. Murray put together some very innovative and creative ideas, which do not include mandates. That is not what we're really discussing today about if we, if we agree with every single thing. All of us can pick and choose about things like that, as will the cities, as will everybody else that gets involved with this plan. But the idea is somehow to move this plan where we're leading the challenge. Um, and, and that's what the plan says, and I believe that. And we're trying to bring people in the community along as all the different kinds of people who came to talk today to support this because they have been involved in the, cre in, in, the, in the meetings, in the creation of this plan. So again, I just need to make sure that people understand that these individual things, I personally don't think we need a, we, I personally don't think we need a workshop on this because we're not deciding the individual specifics of what go, goes into this plan at this point. That is along the way. For, for, for people who are involved with zoning and planning and all different areas to, to, uh, disguise, to decide. Um, I have to say, um, I want to just mention about the TIF. You know, um, several years ago, I wanted us to try and do a bond. And people didn't want to do a bond. Other places all over the country have done bond issues for three, four, five hundred million dollars. People didn't want that. And I understand there was an issue with interest, paying back interest, and we wanted a way that we didn't have to do that. So this is a way. This is a pay as you go when we do, when we take that TIF money. It's not a bond with interest to pay. It's no tax increase for anybody. It's money that we already have, and it doesn't take anything from it doesn't take anything from anything else either. 
because right now, you know, and, and I just want to mention the, 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 the discussion here today dealt a lot with economic developments. Uh, Commissioner Ryan mentioned that. In 10 years, and I urge people to go back and read again this study, because when you talk about it doesn't talk about low income, it does talk about low income. The charts there show low income, moderate income. And it also goes into the, into the fact that if we don't do this aggressively, within the next 10 years, Broward County won't look like it looks today. Our economy will not be robust and we will not have the kind of economic development we have today. So we need to consider all of those things and understand that the plan is not a mandate, doesn't force anybody to do anything. It's, it's, it's creative, it's incentives, recommendations, some of which we've done, some of which we may, we may never do. But we need to move ahead and pass a plan. Thank you. Okay. Um, Mayor, I think what, what you're seeing is not, you're seeing a lot of support on a lot of this. What you're not no. seeing is time to be able to discuss it. Yes. And, yeah. and I think that's what we're wanting, what I'm seeing from everybody. We, this morning we canceled our February 27th workshop. Okay. Do we want to reconsider that and put it back on for February 27th and put this on where we have a, a <laughs> lot of time to, to go over this? Because I, I can tell everybody's got 100 questions mm -hmm. and this is going to take hours and hours and hours. And I think it's going to, it's going to need and deserves a full day of workshop that's where we're focused on this. Is everybody, would everybody want to do that on the 27th? Does that make sense? I'm not going to be here. You're not going to be here. Okay with me. Anybody else? Can you be remote? I'll try. Okay. Goodbye, May. Okay. All right. So we have consensus here to rethink our February 27th. I will have to be, I just say I'll have to be remote and I also have my doctor's appointment in preparation okay. for my. So okay. I don't know if I'll be able to be on it. And I would really like to be on whatever it is that we're going to be having. So, so let me ask a question. Strategic planning. We're going to all be there anyway. Let me ask a question. The other suggestion is to, during the, you're talking about the retreat. We have a strategic planning retreat. There's going to be a lot of stuff on there, though. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, 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 this is going to take every bit. Long. Of, Wait. I, don't think you, I don't know if you want the entire retreat to be that, because that's what this would be. Okay. So, I agree with you. But question. I agree with you, but I don't think we have to rush and do this. I think this is very important. Um, <laughs> this is a couple of weeks away. You, this is this no, gives well, everybody well, a chance to to read everything really well. I, I mean, I've read it all. You've read it all. Yeah, Mary, I just no, to but we had a couple of people that couldn't make it, right? Dr. Murray's available. Oh, are you talking about for the 27th? Yeah, it's 27th, so. Next Tuesday. Wednesday. It's fresh in our heads. We've heard from the public. We've got all the ideas coming. Yes. Yeah, the mayor and yeah, so why don't we well we do it Monday the twenty sixth. probably do you have another day? Oh I can't do that. I'm yeah, up in Palm Beach. Are you are um, let's just put it on the calendar of the circus at Ford Yeah, the twenty eighth. Yeah, I'm so bad. I will be at you will be at and he'll be at I know. on Monday. So what about twenty eighth? Twenty eighth. Look at your calendar twenty eighth. I'm in, I'm in Tallahassee. I'm in Tallahassee also. We had it. We everybody had the 27th yeah. on there before. What? When it got canceled, can you can you can you zoom in on the 27th, Nan? Mayor. On the 28th, you said. No, on the 27th. We had a workshop scheduled that day. Yeah, I I know, uh, but I have my my 
It'd have to be in the morning. I can only be there we in do, the morning. We can do the morning. We can do morning. Yeah. Is that okay? I, I'd have to zoom in that day, yeah, because as what, I said, I have to. Yeah. What happened we to Hazel? Can we do 9 o'clock? Everybody do 9 o'clock? What date? 27th. I thought Hazel was, had a conflict. Yes. Can you can zoom you, in? Can you zoom in? She'll try. Yeah. Okay, okay. I heard you say that. Yes, yeah, before. Yeah. Okay, so February 27th, 9 o'clock, and we so continue this discussion. By one. Yes. Senator Rich, if we're done by 1, does that work for you? Yes, it does. Okay. Perfect. Mr. Okay. Vice Mayor, I believe you would need to reconsider um, the calendar item from this morning. I'll make a motion to reconsider the calendar 48. item. Forty-eight. Item number forty-eight. I, 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 I think I think it's, you're just setting a workshop. I don't know why we can't just publish I'll make notice a of everybody. Set a workshop for yeah. next Tuesday at nine o'clock in the morning to discuss <laughs> we can, Okay. And before one question, can I just verify that both Dr. Murray and Mr. Stone are available that day? Great. Great thing. And so, great work on this. Thank you very much. Uh, Vice Mayor, the, what, what the county administrator is saying is technically correct, but the board's worked it out. It's going to be sunshine. Everybody can be there. You're not taking votes there. So I don't think you need to go through undue process. Okay. To, All right. So we, we've got it. Done. We've got we'll, it done. We'll just amend the calendar then. With that, we have, uh, we, we're going to reconvene at 1.30 in room 4.30. Is that right? Oh, here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, 4.30, right? 1.30 here. 1.30 here. We have a time certain at 1.30 oh, here. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. yes, I'm sorry. I was, I was getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Vice Mayor, yeah, could we just get a uh, uh, motion to un, un, uh, just to move this and item 46 just to postpone it to, uh, to be it? reset to reset it for after the workshop to occur? I'll make a motion to continue to a date uncertain. And I'll second it. Gala can't have it. I got a second. All, all those, we have a motion and a second to continue this to an uncertain date. Yes, after the um, All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All the, uh, any opposed? Okay, that passes unanimously. Okay, we will come back here at 1.30. Don't we have to go to the workshop now? No, we haven't Oh, what about the... The vertical integration um, discussion is going to take place at 2.15, follow, immediately following the 1.30 time certain. That's correct. And, and Vice Mayor, and that starts here also. Yeah. 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 Yes. So we just come back here. We'll yes. Come back here at 1.30. But it's nice when you can move your chair back and you've got a little bit in front of you. The presentation Money, you ready? Okay. Okay, we are back in session. And we are going to go immediately to item 49. Commissioner Bogan. Commissioner Bogan. Yes. Commissioner Bogan. Yes. He is going to talk. I've, I've been very quiet so far. So I know you can only put up with me for so long. Um, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your time and attention to it. Uh, I just wanted to give you a couple facts, uh, Senator, and give you a couple facts so I know that you'll want to hear this. Um, as of this date, we have uh, we have scanned uh, approximately 1,340 people, and from that, over 700 people have needed medical attention. 
Let me say that again, 1,340 people have been scanned and over 700, based on the, uh, my calculator, over 700 people of those have been scanned. So what we did is I wanted you to just see some real stories. I, I have access to more of an older community who took the test. I don't have access to a lot of the people because of HIPAA laws and all the things. I So we, people who volunteered to um, do a quick little video, and so that's what we're going to show in a minute. And so why don't we just start with that? I'd like you guys to see that, and then we'll get, this will be very short, and I hope you'll uh, uh, find of interest. Uh, so uh, Mike Jorgensen put this together, actually. I, I wasn't involved in, in producing this video, and uh, thank Mike Jorgensen and his team for putting this together. Mike, let's give it a shot. With my family background, I thought it was uh, an idea. Can you turn up I was the volume? feeling tired a lot, and that I go to my regular doctor, and uh, he didn't seem to find any symptoms for me. So I think that this was a good thing for me to do. Friends of mine had seen the advertisement by Mark Bogan of the Broward Commission, in which he told everybody about the Broward Heart Project. I saw it and thought I was healthy, I didn't need it. Later on, my wife said I should take it just to make certain. I did, and I'm here right now because of it. I'm an avid golfer, golf three to four times a week, played pickleball. In my younger days, I was a wrestler and played lacrosse, so I've been active all my life. And I just didn't think I needed to have it done. Um, eventually, a friend of ours, who was, also seemed healthy, had taken the test, and he ended up with a quadruple bypass. So I told the wife, let's go get it done. Frankly, my family history is terrible, and it was very timely for me to have a test like this done. I received a phone call and uh, was told that I should look into this and I indicated that there was, uh, I had no health problems, uh, I go to the gym five days a week, I only miss eight days of work in 40 years, I surf, I play tennis every week and uh, the person said, well, it doesn't matter, take the test. So I took the test, I followed the advice. and I'm, very fortunate that I did. I had a situation where in August my mom passed away of a massive heart attack. I had already signed up for uh, the program and uh, the fact that I lost my mom really made me pursue this. So I am a patient of a cardiologist. I go every six months and I do think I was getting great care but uh, the Broward County Commission really educated me. Uh, Commissioner Bogan hocked um, uh, me uh, constantly. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Bogan. Uh, but uh, you know, I think it was through the education of understanding what the CT uh, arteriogram could actually do. In uh, September uh, 10th of 2021, I was walking into work and I collapsed in the parking lot. 
and I woke up in the emergency room to find out that I had 100% blockage of the LED, which is the Widowmaker. Uh, I think that if this would have happened anywhere else but in front of the hospital, I wouldn't be here today to tell my story. And uh, the fact that I had uh, a physical three months earlier that was clean, a cholesterol was low, didn't really have any uh, symptoms or anything that happened prior, I just collapsed, uh, really tells you that how important a CTA is to detect soft plaque because I had blockage of soft plaque. My calcium scoring was negative, had no calcium uh, in my arteries. It was soft plaque that caused my heart attack. It, it, it revealed the fact that I was in bad shape. Uh, I had the test. It uh, showed blockage in four different vessels. Uh, the one they called the Widowmaker was 90 to 95 percent blocked, which meant I could have keeled over at any point. The others were two at 75 percent blocked and one at 50 percent blockage. What the test did reveal was I had a 90 percent blockage in one of my arteries, and I uh, that was discovered and I needed a stent to my heart. I thought I was healthy, fit as anything. The first test indicated that I had over a 70% blockage in my heart, what is called a widow maker. The radiologist spoke to my wife. Within a day, I was speaking to a cardiologist. Within a week and a half, I was having a procedure done. In the procedure, I had five stents put into my heart. One of the, when the doctor was doing the final procedure, he saw that I had a 99.9% .9 blockage and he had to call heart surgery or a stent. And he said, a stent is it. And here I am, almost fit as a fiddle. So the doctor came in, spoke with me, said that I had what was called a Widowmaker 80% blocked and another artery, major artery, was 100% blocked and I was not a candidate for a stent. So I had a triple bypass. Uh, it revealed significant blockages in three arteries and it also revealed the a congenital defect that uh, apparently was present within my family history that no one knew about. The heart test revealed that I had an 80% or greater blockage. Um, so it's, it, it's so important the fact that I uh, have surgery. So I think it's created an awareness of a health issue that I really didn't know. Uh, I, be by going to the doctor every six months and getting you know the tests that I had, I thought that things were under control, and uh, you know thank God that I had the test and learned that I needed to take more aggressive preventive measures, which we did, and you know that hopefully has changed my life uh, for the good. I had an immediate uh, reaction where I felt great. I felt more energized and, and young. This test not only changed my life in a positive way, because before I was an A-type personality, 
I would get very stressed easily. I would lose my temper uh, easily. Now I'm a lot more laid back. I take things as they come. This test saved my life without a doubt. I believe that it, it having the test done absolutely made some changes in my life. It, it allowed me to realize some significant issues within my family that I can address by stepping up my exercise program to maintain good health so that I can outlive all of the other members of my family that didn't make it. Well, just the confidence that I know that I've had this procedure and that I'm not gonna have bypass surgery in the short term, which if I didn't have it, could be the possibility. It saved my life. Uh, my closest friend from fourth grade is a head of pathology at Mount Sinai, and, and I talk to him quite often, and he told me that I was very lucky to be alive. This test extended my life. It absolutely changed my life, and I'm hoping that uh, so many other people will be able to have um, a life-changing experience like I had to prolong their lives. I would recommend it to anybody in Broward County that can take the test. The test is, um, is great. It helped me. I'm sure it will help people in Broward County. And I would recommend to everybody who's listening, have it done. It's important. You don't want to find out you have a heart problem in the ambulance. You want to find out when you're walking and you're healthy. If you're eligible for this test, take it. I had no symptoms whatsoever, felt great, and found out that I wasn't doing so great. I think everybody should take it, just for peace of mind. I would recommend the test for anyone. Uh, I had zero symptoms. Uh, I go to the gym five days a week. I've been surfing for 60 years. I play tennis every week. Um, and uh, I had no idea that I had these problems. And uh, were it not for the county commission putting this together and me participating, I might not be here. Yeah, I absolutely would. Because I think that uh, people that don't have the CTA and have other exams, which are very effective also, uh, will benefit from seeing if they have soft plaque. You know, right now, a lot of the exams that are being done traditionally uh, detect calcium in the arteries. CTA will not only show calcium, but also show soft plaque, which is what affected me when I had my heart attack. Absolutely, the test has been phenomenal. The results have been even greater than we had originally anticipated. So yes, everybody should be tested when they can. A hundred percent. So uh, I think in America, unfortunately, preventive medicine is not uh, something that, uh, that we uh, really push uh, as much as we should. We have unbelievable technology in America and ways to prevent uh, cardiac disease and cancer and many other things. So I would definitely take advantage of anything that is preventive and that could save lives and allow you to uh, live a long, happy life. 
Uh, I believe that we're fortunate that the county commissioners were willing to step up to the plate and create and start a pilot project. Uh, some would find this funny, but I originally did not support uh, a tax for this, but we did support a pilot project, and it's been wildly successful. It saved a tremendous amount of lives, and it really is helping inform everybody that cardiovascular health and wellness are critically important to your long-term health and our community needs. Yes, I'd like to thank the Board of Commissioners of Broward County for providing this test at no charge to the people uh, of my age. And I want to thank Broward County Commissioners for looking into this matter and creating this program for people of Broward County. I would also like to take the opportunity to thank the Broward County Commission and Commissioner Bogan for making this very essential program available to our residents. And I'm glad that the Broward County Commission had this service this, to be able to provide it to everybody. And I, I didn't like the results, but I'm glad I got the results because I was able to act on them and I feel I'm gonna have a much longer life. And I wanna thank the County Commission uh, for putting this uh, program together. It saved my life and I believe it saved uh, friends of mine's lives as well. I want to thank the Broward Health Project for offering this to anybody who's eligible. And if you are eligible, please take the test. It may save your life like it did mine. I want to thank uh, Commissioner Bogan, who also lost his mother, and the entire commission uh, for implementing this test that hopefully will save so many uh, county residents. I would like to congratulate the Broward County Commission for sponsoring such an important initiative. Not only does it embrace the community and a lot of healthcare facilities that are participating in this, but it's gonna save lives and it's going to detect uh, heart disease that normally may not be detected. I'd also like to thank Commissioner Bogan and the entire County Commission for their wisdom and for their thoughtfulness in creating such a great program for all the residents of Broward County. I especially love the partnership that the County Commission has partnered with Broward Health. So I just want to thank the County Commission and I want to thank everybody else for making this program possible. You're saving lives every day. Thank you, Mayor, um, uh, Acting Mayor, <laughs> Vice Mayor, we'll call all three of you. Um, so I wanted to give you an update uh, of the project and how we're, the, again, you just saw a few people as of the numbers so far as I've gotten, we've, we've, we've scanned 1,340 people and over 700 people we are affecting our lives. We've um, helped over 700 people. What I wanted today, just talk for a few minutes uh, is uh, Dr. Claudio Schmuckowski and Dr. Alan Niederman wanted to address uh, the commission for a few minutes and, um, and wrap it up. Dr. Schmuckowski, would you like to come on up real quick? Thank you. I don't know if you remember me, but you tasked me as the medical consultant to do the proposal, which you approved, and I congratulate you. I was also tasked with uh, fulfilling the project and developing it in the network, and we have a large network throughout. I mean, what you've done, and you know, I'm a doctor, we're based on facts, it's truly incredible. I mean, you literally are saving lives every week, and I mean, you don't 
see it visually, but myself and Dr. Niederman, I'm in charge of this program at Holy Cross Hospital. Every week, there's somebody whose life you're saving. I, I've never seen anything like this before, and I think you're going to be a model for the rest of the country. I've never gotten calls frequently from patients, from participants, their spouses, their partners, crying on the phone thanking for saving their lives because one of the most common symptoms of, of heart disease is sudden death. People don't have any symptoms and they drop dead and I'm sure you know somebody that's happened to. So the program that you've done is incredibly important and I hope you can pursue it to make it permanent because I can't think of any initiative that has such a benefit impact to the, to the population. And what he, 59% of the people that go through this have heart disease. These are walking, talking people who have zero symptoms like you've seen. That's a very small sample of the people that you saw. But in males, 75% of them have coronary artery disease. And a lot of these patients end up going to the cath lab needing open heart surgery or stenting. Now, they didn't talk about that very much, but this is what's happening to the point that we didn't even expect that when we started the program. So I had to develop a network where I could get these patients that are literally a time bomb ready to die, and again, they're asymptomatic, they're unaware, so I could fast track them so they could be seen quickly. And the same thing's happening, you know, with Dr. Niederman. So if you have any questions, I'd love to answer it. I'm really proud and honored to be part of this, and I really take my hat off. Congratulations, you've done an incredible thing. And this is, will be a model for the rest of the country, I believe. Thank you, Mr. Udine, that's a question. So th thank you so much for, you know, for, for your work and your role in this. And I remember when you, ca you came to us originally and we started talking about this, you, you said you thought there was going to be a 30 to 35 percent rate. And clearly if we tested 1,400 people and 700 people hit it, we're now at 50 percent. It's 59 percent, actually. 59 percent. So when we had, we had approved this, we did this pilot pro, we were going to take this the, these results and bring these to the insurance companies to try and get them to cover this. Is that the next step that we're going to do? And, and, and what are we doing to do that? Like, how do we take this so that everybody can go take this test and have it covered by insurance? Because I think that's really, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The test works and the test is helping yeah. people, but our whole problem was insurance wasn't covering it. Correct. They don't cover for screening, which is terrible. Okay. And how do we change that? To move the needle, there's two ways. At a local level, local government, by making this permanent and really putting pressure, at a state level or in Congress. I mean, with breast cancer, it took many, many angry women screaming at congressmen until they passed where they would pay for screening mammography. I mean, it's going to take a lot of people to scream and kick and a lot of stories and a lot of pressure. So is that from maybe the county administration, is that what now we're doing like with Marty Cassini and our legislature? Are we bringing this to Tallahassee to have them come up with, you know, some kind of some I, I don't know. I don't I'm I'm saying just because I don't know. It's too at, early, Commissioner. At, we're at not at this point. We have it's not. too early. It's too early uh, right now. We, we want to do a couple thousand people at Okay. Least. I didn't know what the sample size was that we were going to do. I'm assuming that we're still doing more. We still have more dollars. I mean, we are going to present this at the medical meetings. We need a minimum two, 3,000 to have some valid data. Okay. The, the sad part is everybody knows that this, we didn't know how beneficial it would be. Now we're going to have some real data. 
and they know that this is very beneficial. They just don't want to pay for it. Like, they don't want to pay for your house when, you know, you have a hurricane. I mean, it's the same issue over and over. But you're saving lives regardless, and I think it's a very small price to pay to save so many lives and have such an enormous impact. Do we, and this, this may sound a little bit callous, but I'm just curious about this. The people that can afford to take this, when they go through and they have this test, do they reimburse anything back? I mean, do we ask them for those dollars back? If I was going to take, the, I, and I took it and I paid for it and it, you, you did the whole thing, but it was a couple hundred bucks. I mean, if I took one of these and they saved my life, I would be more than happy to write the check back to the program so that they could save somebody else's life if they find that out. Do we do, do, we do any follow-up like that? Not with the funding. No, oh, because there's no reimbursement. Uh, you know, well, the people could companies. reimburse it back just as a charitable thing. Hey, you, oh. you saved my life. I mean, the 250 that I that this cost, or it's 500 now. I think it was 350 when we did it. Just curious. Thank you. Good job, Commissioner Bogan. Nice job. You. you want to, Dr. Niederman? You want to say anything? Commissioner. Oh, okay. He's still got a question. I'm sorry. Sure. Why don't you both come on up? Stand up. Commissioner Geller has a question for you. Thank you. Um, Hi, Dr. Smuckleviski. Nice to see you again. Uh, question, are you a cardiologist, radiologist, or some combination thereof? Um, I'm a radiologist specializing in the heart. I'm board certified in nuclear medicine, radiology, and I'm also a fellow of the societies and the fellows of one of the founders of the society that oversees all this. I'm also, because of my contribution to cardiology, they appointed me as a fellow of the American College of Cardiology. So I'm not a cardiologist. I'm sort of But like you a are a fellow of the American College, College of, of cardiology. cardiology, which is good enough for the question I have. But commission, I'm sorry, County Attorney, are we going to be voting on the uh, item? Following 55? Yeah. Yes. Okay. In that case, I had a question on that. Um, Steve, first, can we address that after we're done with this presentation? You sure. mind? They're not uh, lethal. Okay. Trust it. Okay, because I want to ask one of the cardiologists a question while they're here. Then well, I go ahead. Two, ask it. Ask, I had, it. Ask, it. ask it. Okay. I had a couple of quick questions. First, my understanding is we were doing a two-year pilot program. Um, do you st still think that we need the two-year pilot program, or do you anticipate that you'll have enough data after a year or six months or whatever, or are you still anticipating the two-year pilot program? Well, we need more numbers to have, and we have people in academia that are also involved, and we're going to present this, but no, it's too early. Okay. Uh, next question. Um, one, uh, have you found this? One of the, like on the full body MRI scans, one of the things that doctors have, com have advised against them is because they say that they will find things that are, you know, fairly minor, which will result in... Uh, intervention that is either unnecessary or will worry people. Is that an issue in this or because you're dealing with, you know, the cardiac issues, it, that's really not an issue? No, here. it doesn't apply. I mean, doing body screening, uh, the problem is you'll find ditzels and little nodules that don't mean anything. This actually focuses on the heart and to see who is at risk, who needs treatment, because it's not about finding catastrophic problems. We can avoid 80% or more heart attacks if we know what a patient has. And what we're terrible at is risk stratification. Do you have disease, you don't have disease? What type of disease is it high risk, low risk? And, and, and uh, 
doing the proper therapy for the patient. There is no other way that's non-invasive to find that out. So this test doesn't do that at all. It's completely the contrary. Okay, and my last question is, um, I'm trying to remember which medical school I went to. Uh, now remember, I didn't. So on our next item there, I don't know if you've seen it, there is a proposal to add the that at every uh, calcium test uh, taken, cardiac, cal cardiac calcium test in Broward would be required to have a disclaimer that says, please note, the scan you are about to take does not detect soft plaque. A scan that only provides a calcium score only detects hard plaque and does not detect soft plaque. A buildup of soft plaque can cause a heart attack. A scan that detects both hard and soft plaque is called a cardiac, cardiac CT angiography. Now, that's all true. I mentioned that to my family doctor who looked like I'd hit him with something. We were having dinner um, and said, are you people crazy? I'm paraphrasing. I'm not a cardiologist. I'm not prepared to have, I have no idea. And by the way, I support the program we're doing right now. I think it's, I think it, the results, Commissioner Bogan, you're to be commended. The results are showing why it's so important. I have no way of knowing if this should be Steve, on a... The gentleman next to him is a cardiologist, 40 years. Okay, so it's, I'm assuming that... He's an interventional cardiologist as well. Okay, I'm assuming if this is technically accurate, I'm just not necessarily comfortable with, as a lawyer, giving doctors instructions on what should be said on disclosures because I have absolutely no way of knowing whether this is accurate whether this should be on there or not. Do you have an opinion as a practicing interventional cardiologist? Commissioner, before he answers, yeah. I just wanted to know since we're going forward and that um, before this was proposed, I spoke to not only both those doctors, I spoke to uh, Shane Strom, right. all supporting this as well, just so you know. Okay. Well, to, to point out a, a couple of things, um, first of all, to, and to answer your question, the soft plaque as mentioned in the the, per, the CEO of Cleveland Clinic Hospital, for God's sakes, um, is what tried to kill him. Right. So the, the problem is, is that the misunderstanding that occurs is that the, and Claudio can certainly to, to speak to this, is that it would be the same as if you said to somebody, you want to fly on the jet plane or do you want to fly on the prop plane? We did calcium scoring because that was the only thing that we had available to him at the time. We're now 25 years later, now we have a better technology. So people need to understand that there's a better technology out there than what they're going for. Um, there's a cost difference and so sometimes we're forced to say, okay, well they're paying out of pocket you can have the calcium score and we're going to get some answer, but we don't get a full answer and that's not appropriate for patients, particularly if you think that they have risk factors. One of the things you need to understand is that, uh, and the commission again needs to be congratulated for being at the tip of the spear here. This is not being done in any place in the United States, mostly because the American College of Cardiology, the part that I'm a fellow of, uh, prohibits 
scanning in people who are asymptomatic. If you come into the emergency room and have chest discomfort, the first thing they're going to do is send you up to get a coronary CT angiogram. But if you come into the emergency room and say you're short of breath or some other thing, you're not going to get that test. All the people that we're scanning in this program have risk factors. Now, there are 700,000 people a year who die from coronary disease. If you add all of the patients that die from cancer, it's only 600,000. Yet, the cancer has colonoscopy. When you're 40, you go for a colonoscopy. They have mammography. They have a, a long list of screening tests. And we, as cardiologists, who are supervising the leading cause of death in the United States, don't. Now, what kind of common sense is that? It, it's nonsensical, honestly. And they've made it, the district has made it so that before we started the program, if you wanted a scan, it would cost you $400. And most people that I see in the office, before we had this, the program, they were willing to pay the $400 because it was like, well, I go to dinner, I spend close to that, I want to see what my corners look like. Not only the people that you, you saw on the, the, the film were people who had something done to them, they had an intervention. But the vast majority of people, the intervention that they're getting is proper medication. Proper medication, control of their diabetes, control of their blood pressure, a reorientation to how they think, because yes, I do have coronary disease and now I'm going to do something about it. That's priceless. That's what's going to save money downstream. This is a hypothesis-generating program. It is not a study. So the next step is going to have to be a true study and then follow up to see if not, if, we're, if we are moving the needle for the ACC to say, yeah, we think this is screening. Doctor, you don't need to convince me this is a good program. I'm already convinced of that. My question was limited to the notice, but I'm already convinced this is a good program. Uh, I just, uh, as a lawyer, not a doctor, I wouldn't vote for something unless cardiologists, and you are one, we, tell me that this is an appropriate it's, disclaimer. It's, it's appropriate, and, and there, you're not practicing medicine by it. All you're doing is alerting the person who's getting the test that there are other options than what they're taking, and they may not be getting a full picture of what's wrong with them. And if you were up here, you would vote for this? I, I would vote for it, and Thank I don't you. send my patients for it for that reason. No, the He's, you're, you're finished, right? Uh, do we have any speakers? One speaker? Can we, can we, can we, we got a few more minutes, so we got to be done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, Dodie. Hi, good afternoon. Dodie Keith, for the record. Um, you know, I just want to thank you for this and not to take any time, but, you know, Mark, when he came up with this program, two years before this program, my 54-year-old brother-in-law died in his house alone, had a heart attack. No one was there. My sister got the honor of finding him when she came home from work. Very traumatic in our family. No history of anything, no anything. So when the program came up, I thought, well, I'll go do this. So I went for my annual checkup because I'm a little, I want to find anything that's wrong with me quick. So I go every year to every doctor that's on my list and do whatever they tell me to do and take whatever they tell me to take. 
and I went to my annual doctor and said, oh, uh, my county commission has approved this program. I want to go for this test. And my doctor said, that's ridiculous. I heard about this. You don't need this test. You're perfectly fine. You have no history. You shouldn't have this test. There's all these reasons. You're going to get funny results, and there's no reason you should go take this test. I said, really? Well, I might want to just go take it anyway just to see. No, no, you don't need the test. So I left there, and I thought, wow, that's really strange. So I signed online, signed myself up for the test, went to the test, had the test. My doctor called me afterwards and said, well, so you went and had that test. I said, yeah, I did. Am I okay? And she says, well, you're going to a cardiologist. I said, really? I'm going to a cardiologist? She says, yeah, you're going over to this other cardiologist. They found some stuff. It's not critical. You're not going to drop today. But you've got, what do they call it, that plaque, the salt, whatever they find. My cholesterol is good. All my tests every year. I Good, 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 good. Go to the cardiologist. Get the cardiologist. Never knew the guy. Never saw the guy. He says to me, Ms. Keith, why are you here? Well, I took this test. You should have the results. And he said, oh, you're one of those. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm one of those. Is this a bad thing? When he, I took the test. And they, my doctor, he says, well, I really don't know that everybody should be taking this test. Let me look at your results. He went, oh, you need some medication. You need some stuff. And I was like, wow, this is unreal. So one of the great things about this program, what I think is so cool, when I hear these doctors here talking about this, this is an education of our medical profession, of our medical folks that really didn't think that this was so important. And doctors that started off saying, you don't need this test. This is really something you maybe don't need, are now thinking, wait a minute, we're saving 59% of the people. Now I go twice a year to that cardiologist, and I have my little pill and my stuff. And thank you to you and this entire commission for putting the dollars for it. But we will be transformational. And I do believe we're going to change the insurance companies and what happens across this state and across the world, because you all are definitely changing lives and keeping folks like me healthy so that I don't end up having to have a triple bypass because I found out at the last second. So thank you, and I support anything to do with this kind of program going forward. Thank you, Doug. Mark, you want to finish it up? Yeah, I got uh, okay. one quick thing just to remind everybody. I learned about this from the chief cardiologist of a major hospital in this country. wasn't here in Florida. And that cardiologist, and Claudio tells me, Mark, shut up, don't talk too much about this. But that cardiologist told me that cardiologists want to keep you in their office because they make money on stress tests. And they don't make money sending you to a hospital to get this, which is the best test. And there's a value for a stress test, but the best test is the test that we're doing. And uh, so I learned this from uh, a pretty prominent cardiologist. Um, I wanted to just ask real quickly, Monica, you got a bulletin from your church, and I just wanted you to just, if you don't mind, just pointing out what you just got. Yeah, thanks, Commissioner Bogan. Um, so this weekend, I got an email from the church, just a regular update, and I happened to share it with uh, Commissioner Bogan over the weekend. That, um, and I didn't even realize it, but they were actually talking about the heart test in, in the church bulletin and how um, one of the, the members of our church, um, you know, uh, said that he went for the test and, and immediately revealed they had 90% blockage. They rushed him right into the operating room, had a quadruple coronary bypass and saved his life. So it was just an interesting thing that as I was reading my church email that um, uh, unbeknownst to me, they were talking about the great program of the county commission and uh, you asked me to share it. So it was, it was good, good news. Sure. One, One what, what do we have financially left here? What's, what, what does this look like on paper dollar wise? Um, so to date, we've spent uh, just a little over $2 million. So a lot there's, of money still, left. there's still a lot of money left. And there's still, obviously, okay. you've heard the capacity that is still needed um, for more tests. So that's what, what made it slower is we didn't get a lot of capacity. Now, as we're going, more hospitals and more capacity is coming online so we could do more patients. Perfect. 
and I also want to just point out, since I got permission to point it out, um, Renee here, everyone knows how Renee and her husband bicycle all over the country, and, and her husband took the test and found out he's going to need stent on Friday. So, uh, you know, point out that uh, it's, it's unbelievable on people think that you just got to be out of shape to need this test, where people who are in great shape, you heard former Judge Tom Lynch, who exercises every day, still surfing, playing tennis, uh, who, uh, he needed help. It, it really, um, it, it's, it's incredible the amount of uh, walking, as he said, walking time bombs there are, and we're actually showing results of saving lives. So uh, hopefully we're gonna, goal is to change medicine. That's my goal. You talked about what we're doing about this. Once we get enough data, uh, we're gonna go to the American College of Cardiology, we're gonna go publicize this, and... Um, Please. So, right, so right now we're just going to keep we, we keep it going. Yeah, I just want I've never get more, I, 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 I wanted to give you a report as to the success of what's been going on so far, and uh, we got uh, two brilliant people working for us here, and um, and, thank and we get the staff. and we get it up to a sample size that's, right. yeah. that yeah. they'll accept, right? Yep. Okay. Good. Great. And um, just want to make sure I got every talked about everything. So you wanted to go into I did. Uh, so let me just go into fifty five okay. real quickly. Yep. Um, and I'm going to, this is, I, Dr. Schmuklovitsky told me, Mark, that's a stupid example, but I like my example, so I want to give you an example. You see, okay, I'm going to show you, you see this test? This test for women, if it was a mammogram, this only shows the left side. This test shows both sides for mammogram. Which side do you think women want to take? Obviously the right side, which shows both sides, but people are getting the left side. It's the same thing with the coronary thing. The left side only shows hard plaque. Soft plaque is just as much of a killer. This side, which we're doing, the test we're doing, is both. So that notice that, that Steve was asking about, lets people, people do not know what the difference is. You, um, you uh, Commissioner, when we were starting this, you saw an ad in the paper, $99. That was a calcium score. There's a company in Deerfield that's offering free calcium scores because they try to upsell you on a body scan. And people have no clue. They come out of there. I went for a calcium score, and I, they said, "You're great. You're a cardi. You're, you're you have no cardiac disease." I could, I had 70% blockage at the time. They didn't detect anything, and so there's a huge uh, misrepresentation going on. And you know, as Dr. Neiman pointed out, that calcium was the only thing they had years and years and years ago. Now they have both, and so. People need to know, this is a consumer thing. This is not about medicine. This is a consumer information, a factual consumer information that these gentlemen, and, and also I, I'm gonna point out, you know, Shane Strum also said he supports that notice as well, that, um, that you know, people need to know if they're gonna go for a calcium score, they're missing half the, half the, the stuff, which is the soft plaque. You wanna make a motion? I, 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 yeah, I'd love to make a motion that, that the statement uh, that's in your materials uh, be uh, uh, approved. Yes, no. motion for public hearing. Whatever motion is. <laughs> Do I have a second? Second. We have a motion and a second on item 55. All those in favor? I want. I want to speak, please. Okay. Okay. Any discussion. Commissioner. Okay. Commissioner. <laughs> At the the loss of the risk of antagonizing anybody. I I have to tell you, I totally approve and uh, and I'm thrilled with the results of the tests that we are doing right now. And we have money left, so we can continue to do it and make a decision later about what, what goes beyond that and how it gets funded. But I, 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 I am a layperson. You have two doctors here. I wanna know what the American Academy of whatever, cardiologists, I wanna know 
I don't believe they're all just being uh, doing tests that cost more money or that they, you know, that they want to do. I mean, I, I just cannot bring myself to say that we are going to decide this as a county commission and that we are basically going to, you know, take a position on something that medical physicians should be taking. And maybe it's a lot of education. And I agree what, what, what you just said, Commissioner Bogan. I mean, we need to educate the community and that's what we're doing with what, what we are doing. But to say that a test is either invalid or we're going to have a fine, we're going to add fines for violations. I, 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 just, I just cannot support that. So I'm sorry, right. but I, it's, I can't. Um, Mayor, with all due respect, you know, I understand your skepticism when I first brought this, you know, you were skeptical on it and you have every right to be. And I think everybody, maybe you've had some skepticism. I know Shane Strom was totally opposed to this at the time. Now he's one of the biggest advocates because numbers prove everything. But this 55 has nothing to do with, this is a fact. This is not an opinion. The fact is, is that a calcium score only shows calcium. A CTA shows both calcium and soft plaque. What is, there's no harm in letting the public know that this one test shows both and this one test only shows calcium. It's, it's a fact. There's, there's no downside. You're presenting a fact. Now, if you say, I don't believe the fact, well, then you could be calling the two doctors liars or whatever you want to call them. But I've, I've, done, I've done my homework and they, they, being 40 years each in experience and what they do as professionals, um, it's a fact that the calcium score only shows calcium. That's what the notice says. And the CTA shows both soft and hard plaque. These are facts. And there's no harm in letting a consumer, unless you could point out the harm, please do, the harm in letting a consumer know what is the harm and letting them know the difference. It doesn't say this test is invalid. It doesn't say this test is meaningless. As the doctor pointed out, some people can't afford the CTA and they only can get a calcium score. Fine. But it, it lets a consumer, this is a consumer notice that presents no harm. And I'm going to ask my commissioners, I hope that you'll support this as well and, and, and move this forward. Commissioner Geller, then I, follow I'd up. like to respond. Okay. Excuse okay. me, could oh, I just go. respond? Sure, go ahead. Okay, that is not what I said. I, I totally understand what you're saying about the difference between the tests. That's not the issue. And I am certainly not impugning the integrity of the gentlemen that were standing up there. I'm asking for us to do something that looks at the entire, and Shane, I, I love Shane, but he is not a cardiologist. And I believe that we have, I don't know how many cardiologists we have in Broward County, but you know, for us to be you know, saying this is, the part that I'm saying is because you're, you're saying it requires certain disclosures and, and, and fines for violations. I mean, that, is, that should not be up to us to do something like that, in my opinion. Mayor, okay, I, I believe I it's good it? policy, and okay. I think it's great policy. Okay, can I speak now? Commissioner Geller. Thank you. Senator Rich, oh, I raised the same concern that you just raised. Yep. Neither of us is a cardiologist. But all we're doing in today's vote is setting it for public hearing. So at the public hearing, I am hoping that there will be other cardiologists. If the other cardiologists disagree, then I'm not comfortable because I'm not a doctor. But thus far, 100% of the two car of the 
two <laughs> physicians that have spoken today, one a cardiologist, one a fellow of the American College of Cardiology, even though he's a radiologist, have both said that they support this. If at the public hearing other cardiologists disagree, then we have an issue. But all we're doing today is setting it for public hearing, which I fully support. Commissioner Dean. I'm okay with having a public hearing on this, but I'm going to ask for some of the same type of information when we get there. The three, the few things that I'd like county administration to do when it comes back for public hearing, we had somebody from Cleveland Clinic, the chief operating officer. We had Shane Strum, and I'm sure we could get their counterpart at Memorial, their chief medical officer. I want, to, I want something in writing what they feel about these tests as far as putting a not the new not the new thing we're doing i agree with it it's much better but do they they're going to put in writing to me before i'm voting on it that they're in favor of these warnings on these other tests because i think that there's some kind of a chilling effect for people that are going in there it's better than doing nothing it may not be the best but a lot of this is health insurance and american cardiology fighting back and forth i'm going to also ask for our legislative people to reach out to the legislative team at the American Cardiology Association. You can find them right online, send this to them, and let's get their opinion on this. I'm in favor of doing what's in the best interest of the health of Broward County. I know that the test that we're doing now is excellent. I, I'm supportive of it. We have eight more million dollars to test more people. We're go it's going no matter how many tests we are going to do, it's going to come back between 40 and 50% of people whose lives we're saving. So go get the test because there's a 50% shot you're going to, you know, help yourself from it. But before I'm willing to put a warning on another test that is commonly used in the heart industry, I'm going to need to see way more than, okay. you know, a public hearing in Broward County. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Vice Mayor, so I, I support what Commissioner Udine just said. Okay. So it, I support this as a just a setting for public hearing as long as we uh, and uh, Monica to make sure that we have a uh, a whole, you know, plethora of, you know, people who uh, are experts in this field, uh, not, you know, not just two. I respect them and, and I understand exactly what, you know, they're saying is correct about the test itself. But again, uh, we, we need to have more uh, uh, information from uh, people who are also in the same profession and, uh, you know, might or might not have a different opinion. Yeah. Thank you, Commissioner Rich. And I think everybody feels that way. I mean, everybody wants, none of us are. Absolutely. I totally agree. So, so all of us want that comfort in I'd like knowing. to, am I amending the motion to push it two more weeks? Give me two more weeks to get what you guys are looking for uh, in writing and sure. video. Yeah. March. The I think it's the 21st, is that correct? Thank you. It's a Thursday also. Uh, let, me, let me get through this. Okay. But. It is the 21st, March 21st. Okay, so the motion has been amended to reflect a two, two March 21st? Uh, so this, this, the public hearing for, for which it will be set will occur on March 21st. Correct. Okay. So we have a motion. Motion for March 21st. And a second. Okay. All those in favor? I'm Aye. sorry. Did you have? I just wanted just one second. I'm sorry. With no disrespect to anybody, I want somebody from staff to do this too. I want somebody in our human services and our medical team. You can do it too, but I can't talk to you before these meetings. So I want to be able to speak to a, there's got to be somebody on staff. We have no, a I think we have somebody here for, uh, from the county. Mm -hmm. 
that oversees the uh, Wh whoever, my whoever it is, bad. let something come from staff too. You could do your thing too, but that's all I wanted to say. He just wants to be able to make sure yeah, he you, can talk with him. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Passes unanimous. Vice Mayor, before I finish, I just wanted for two years um, uh, in this project. I, one, of, one of the people that have been working for me out of the district, uh, my office out in North, sitting behind me, it's Ali Baptiste. So I just want everyone to know who he is. He's been helping me with the hard stuff. He works for me part-time out of my office in uh, out, out North. So just wanted to introduce you. Okay. Anyway, now we thank know. you. Thank you. Now you know. Thank you. Okay, great. Okay, with that, we have one last um, item, item 47, with dealing with the vertical integration project. <laughs> so, I'm going to toss this over to County Administrator. So, uh, Mr. Vice Mayor, this is um, a motion to waive the requirements of uh, the procurement code. Um, I'm taking our, our uh, reading clerk's uh, job for a moment. But, um, and also motion B is to approve the final rankings for the RFP for Vertical Integrated Program Management Consulting Services. Um, so, you all um, originally heard this item. You saw this item initially as a reject all bids um, recommendation that you had before you. During that uh, discussion, you asked um, us to come back and for you all to sit as the, uh, make sure I get the right terminology, the, um, I guess the, you'll be sitting in your capacity as the Board of County Commissioners making a selection for the solicitation. Um, and so that you wanted to follow the same procedures um, that you had in the evaluation committee meeting of, of setting up uh, 25 minutes uh, per, per uh, vendor. There's two vendors that you will hear today. Um, and then, so you will open up the meeting here. Okay. And then, um, then you guys will all proceed, uh, walk down the hall to room 430, um, and then listen to the first vendor. Um, with only the vendor and county staff that would be present. You guys will have an opportunity to ask questions of that vendor um, specific to their presentation. Uh, and then the, they would vacate the room, the next vendor would come in, uh, and, and you would have that same opportunity with them. At the conclusion of all of that period, then you all will come back into this room, into the chambers, and have any kind of discussion that you would like to have with each other. Um, and then uh, proceed to vote. Um, at that point, then that should be okay. the end of the item. Um, uh, I just saw Mr. My Myers, script. if you'd like to add. And I just found my script. Okay. I, I was, <laughs> so I, I was doing it by ad lib. You're I, doing I pretty knew. good, though. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure you may have a more eloquent script that was going off my <laughs> I'll, memory. I'll, I'll read this one and just get it going. All right. Okay. <laughs> at this time, we will hear item number 47 for presentations and ranking for uh, requests for, for proposals. Number TRN 2125764P1, Vertical Integrated Program Management Consulting Services for Capital Projects. Who named that? <laughs> motions read. Uh, read. Uh, reading clerk, if you'd please read the motions for item 47. But she's not here. So. We, uh, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, okay. We can, we can uh, do it if you want, Vice Mayor. Okay, go ahead. So, yeah, and I think Monica already covered it generally, but. Uh, part A is a motion to waive the requirements of section 21.42 print J of the procurement code based upon a determination that doing so would be in the best interest of the county in order to permit the board to rank the vendors by majority vote. Absent the waiver, 
uh, any ranking may need to be by supermajority vote. And then the second part of this, and I'm going to turn this over to my colleague, Warren Rosenthal, in just a second to walk you through more details before uh, we go into the part in 430. The second part uh, will be the motion to approve final rankings for RFP number TRN 2125764P1, uh, the vertical integration uh, for the Transportation Department, which, because of the waiver, would be determined by majority vote of the board. This will occur after the vendor uh, presentations. Uh, so if I can uh, please turn this over to Mr. Rosenthal. He'll walk you through more specifics and uh, then kick it back to you, Vice Mayor. Did we want to do public comment first? That's fine, whatever you'd prefer. Okay, and I don't know if there's any public comment. Is, has anybody signed up? There is no public comment, so we'll, we'll be good. Okay. Good afternoon. See, that's what happens when you're new. You don't know the right buttons. <laughs> Good afternoon, and not to be repetitive of what was just said, but I want to fill in a couple of the details. Okay. Uh, one being that pursuant to your direction on January 23rd, you asked the county attorney's office and the procurement division to come up with procedures and criteria for your consideration of the responses of the vendor and to ultimately rank the vendors. We have not only done so, but we've also presented those criteria which are attached to the agenda as Exhibit 7 to the vendors who have all consented to those criteria. So the vendors agree that this is the appropriate process and that the process and the board's consideration of this item will not result in any subsequent bid protest or objection under your code. The second thing is, is that at the moment that you're going to consider the vendors' presentations and your questions and answers, under Florida law, that is exempt from the Sunshine Law. So you're going to adjourn, you're going to move to room 430 to consider that. The only discussion that should be had in that room is the discussion to hear from the vendors, which will be 25 minutes each, Hill first and then Jacobs, and then an unlimited question and answer period for the board. The only thing you should not do is have any discussions or votes on any other issues or votes on this issue in the closed session. The closed session is just for the purpose of hearing the presentations and asking questions and answers. When that's done, you'll come back to this room. You'll either then be able to discuss what you've heard in that room and discuss amongst yourselves how you should rank these vendors. You'll be provided with a ballot. That ballot will allow you to rank first or second between the two vendors. Uh, Mayor Rich will also be able to rank and will send that in at the same time. Once the rankings are done, they will be sent to procurement. Procurement will announce the tallies, and then you'll take the two votes on the motions as the county attorney has described. Um, in evaluating the vendors, you are to rely on the solicitation responses which you've received, the presentations which describe the solicitation responses, and the solicitation and the criteria for evaluation in the solicitation. And so with that, you are now able to move into the other room to conduct your closed session. Okay. With that, we'll move to room 430. Um, yes. This room will be, remain open for the public.
Um, on right now. I see that you're muted. Yes, I'm on. Okay, very good. Very good. Um, okay, I think we're good. One, two, three, four, six, seven. Okay. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, begin. Uh, we're, everybody's here, ready to go? We have our option of how to deal with this. We can continue with some discussion. We can go straight to ballot. We can do whatever we'd like. Yes. Mr. Mayor, as I sit here right now, I am honestly undecided. Um, there were things about each of the two that I liked. I know that a lot of people don't believe uh, elected officials when they say they listen to the debate of other members, but I actually do pay attention to what I hear on the dais here, and I'm hoping that there will be some debate and at the appropriate time. After somebody else goes, I'll say what I like best about each. But, you know, I have concerns with each also, so I'd like to hear what other people, other commissioners think. Okay. Um, would anybody, anybody else have something you'd like to add right now? Why are you looking at me? Commissioner McKenzie. You uh, go ahead. Well, I just feel uncomfortable being put in this position, like I said from the beginning. Um, I, I do not want to be... Um, opining or ranking folks uh, for a procurement process that we have uh, in-house. and But today we're put in that position, uh, and I just don't feel comfortable doing it. Uh, so that will be my public comment. Okay. All right. Mr. Mr. Chair? Yeah. All right. Um, Mayor, Mayor Rich? Yeah. Yes. I, I would like to also make that comment. I have wanted to do that for some time. Unfortunately, I, I was, I, it was the day after I got out of surgery and I wasn't at the January 23rd meeting. And uh, I, I, I just have to say there was a reason why the ethics ordinance was passed uh, directing the board not to serve in this capacity um, as a direct procurement authority. And um, I know there was a, a waiver position, a provision obviously uh, in the ordinance which allowed us to do this. But I just wanna say that I hope that we never do this again. I think it's very inappropriate for for us to be doing it, and it should it should have gone back to the staff on a, on an expedited basis and come back to us. So we're now in this position, and I totally agree with uh, my colleague who just spoke. Thank you, Commissioner Udine first. Then so I, you know, I was the one who brought it up that maybe we should hear this at the as sitting as a procurement authority, and I did that at the meeting, and I made that motion that <clears throat> a few meetings ago because I thought that the process at the at the selection, whatever you call this, the group that we're acting as today, I thought that was tainted, and everyone talked about doing this in an expedited basis and an expedited basis for Broward County procurement, a procurement of this size, would have been another 18 months. That's what would have happened. There would have been all kinds of protests and all kinds of bid protests. So I agree. I think it's horrible for elected officials to sit doing what we're doing. But the reason that I brought it up at the time is because I thought it was more prudent to just get this done and get these projects started for taxpayers who've been paying this. My comments on the presentation and what we're going to hear to do to that today. I read all the backup cover to cover. I, I read the even the tiny little print that uh, Mr. Gleason in procurement did that matrix and the whole thing. I thought that Jacob's presentation and the backup 
was superior. I thought that Hill's presentation today was far more superior. So I'm, I'm, I'm at a tough spot because I thought the presentation that was made for me today, I thought Hill did a much better job in presenting what they could do for Broward County. The backup material, I, I thought that Jacobs was better than Hill's as I've gone through that. So I'm in a little bit of a dilemma and I'll listen to my uh, fellow uh, esteemed colleagues. Mr. Fisher. Thank you, Mayor. Um, it is, it is, and I said it earlier in the uh, presentations that I would never want to be in this position again, because I think it's so difficult because I don't know if there's any other options for us at this particular time, uh, Mr. Myers. I don't, I, I don't know, um, because I, here's the issue. Both firms have incredible qualities and, and both have deficiencies in areas. Broward County can't go wrong. And that's the most difficult thing that we have to be to position here as a board. This is not where we need to be. Um, and I didn't know if there was any other options, you know, to us other than having to make this tough, tough decision tonight that, again, I think either firm wins and one loses and, and you feel bad because they're both extremely qualified. And I agree with Commissioner Dean. I mean, yeah, the presentations were, the, were I think, Hill did a better job presentation-wise, but Jacobs, the materials and the backup, uh, you know, were superior as well. So how do you vote? You know, I mean, you got, both of them have deep benches. Both of them had incredible qualifications. Uh, most of them are obviously local. So they're feeding our own economy. So I'm, oh, I'm rambling, but I'm look, I asked Mr. Myers a question, so I'd like to get the answer to it. Yes, Commissioner Fisher, there are, there are options. I mean, the option that was selected and that the board is proceeding under right now uh, is, uh, is the ranking, you know, the direct ranking based upon the presentations and based upon the submittal. Uh, if the board, for whatever reason, uh, it could have been before the presentations, it could even be now. If the board wanted to, uh, you know, thought it would be in a difficult position to choose, thought that it made sense for staff to look at things in even greater detail, because as long as that took, there were a lot of things that were discussed that, you know, theoretically could be further explored. Then there are opportunities to do that as well. The board has very, very broad discretion under our, our procurement code. I think this is CCNA uh, involved, so we, it's, it's a little bit more constrained than it otherwise would be, but uh, there is an ability for you know, for staff always to make this recommendation and for it to come back to the board uh, without having the same issue that we had last time so, and for the board to approve it if the board so desires. So, Ms. Sapiro, is that something that is an option to us? How expedited can you be without, like, as Commissioner Udine talked about, we didn't want to go back to the protesting and all that. How expeditious can you be? I'm just curious as an option. So if the if the question is that it goes to a newly appointed evaluation committee, um, then it would be that uh, another group of employees um, would be selected. I could do that right away. Um, but then it would be just to schedule it with the two firms again, and we would have the mm. firms to come back and do another presentation just like they did today and they did last time. So it, it would just be that unless... There's another option that I don't know about that the attorney may share. Yeah, I mean, even theoretically, by agreement, and, and again, I'm not saying, I'm not chiming in on what the board should do, that's your determination, but, you know, theoretically, if the parties agreed, it could be referred back to, to a new evaluation committee. They could rely basically on the presentations 
you know, today, which were also, no, which were re recorded, right? And, and then additional questions could be explored so that it's not a, you know, a, a full thing, which may take longer to do. The board has a lot of options that are not limited to, to voting today if there's, uh, an un, you know, a desire not to do so. Okay, yeah. I'll just say, I'd like to get this done. I mean, I think it's not fair to them. It's not fair to the taxpayers. I mean, that's that's my thinking. Commissioner, oh, first, okay, Commissioner. So I, I, sorry. I think there's a unanimity here that, you know, both for, both firms are qualified, and uh, that's what made it difficult. Um, I, I perceive, uh, you know, one uh, to be uh, superior, no, not by a long shot, but uh, somewhat. And um, I don't know whether, uh, you know, between the two firms, uh, there is some room to, uh, you know, uh, you know, subcontract some of the work out, you know, in, in certain areas, uh, one from the other or whether that would be something that, you know, we would, uh, you know, try to, you know, through our staff, you know, intervene in that regard. Um, but I hate to get, you know, too much into the weeds on this thing. And, uh, you know, if you need to have that continuity and you have to have that team, then, you know, I don't think either one is going to want to, uh, you know, have some of the uh, right. participants, uh, you know, from the other. So um, with that, uh, I think it's best to go ahead and uh, decide now. Uh, Ms. Mayor, I, I disagree with a few, a little bit of some of the remarks that have been made. I agree that this process that we've gone through today is, is horrible. Um, I, don't, learned a lot, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that it's always bad for commissioners to serve on a selection committee, but we didn't. This was a very abbreviated version as I look at the evaluation criteria, we're not today going to pay attention to this set of criteria because we didn't receive information well, that would enable us to respond here. Yeah, it's and and Senator, you're you're while you're voting in an ordinal number sense, right. you, your uh, your decision is informed by by that criteria, and and uh, going to well, ask uh, Orrin if you'd like to add to that at all. I, I think Attorney said it perfectly, Senator. Oren, your, your microphone. Yeah, oh, there he goes. Okay, Agreed. thank you. And I can just speak loudly. Um, I think the county attorney said it perfectly, Senator. Um, you're not asked to assign points to each of those criteria, but those are the criteria in the solicitation um, that you should be basing your ordinal rank on in a general sense um, because part of the requirement for evaluation is that you look at the solicitation response and you look at it in terms of what the solicitation asks you to evaluate on. Um, so you should be paying attention to those criteria and not ignoring them. Well, uh, something I meant to ask earlier, because I don't know that we have received information that is particularly responsive to these, although the both organizations <laughs> had the opportunity to present information that would have been responsive such as, um, oh, this is so small, um, such as uh, the relevant experience and related large-scale transit projects. We heard generally, but not the kind of information. Before I proceed, and I am about, was about to make some remarks about which I favored, 
I would like to find out, county attorney, can we receive assurances from uh, representatives of the two organizations here today that they will not be, I was going to ask this earlier today. I don't want they to go through. They're not appealing. I don't want to go through all of this and then just lead to another round no. of appeals. Do we have confirmation that whatever decision we reach today is not going I, to be appealed? I, and I, if not, can we get that before we vote? Sure. I, I think that if we, we stick to the agreed upon parameters, uh, the, the rules of the game that both sides agree to, uh, that they both agree that they're not going to appeal, perhaps we could get their confirmation. I will also tell you that having uh, sat through this process today and knowing the materials that everyone has had, uh, you know, the ability to review, uh, I, I, I think we can resolve any, uh, in my opinion, you know, litigation is never guaranteed, but I think we could resolve any uh, appeal relatively quickly if one were to occur, but perhaps uh, could, represent we hear, could, could Could I ask them now, yes, a representative yes, of each? Yes, yes, sir. Not that that will make any difference in how I would vote. Hello, Bernie Friedman uh, with Becker Polykoff. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, we've agreed to those Who do you parameters. And Which send, team are you on? What? Which team? Which team? The Hill team. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Senator Geller, for uh, reminding me. Uh, anyway, uh, representing the Hill team, of course, those were the parameters that we agreed to, and we stick by them, and certainly abide by whatever decision uh, you all make. hope it's the right decision, but... Uh, yeah. so, 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 no pro, so no protest or appeal right. is what I'm, what I'm hearing. no appeal. No so pro I protest or... From right, Jacobs right. also. Right. We're good. Thank you. George, you represent Jacobs? George Platt, uh, on behalf of the Jacobs team, uh, we signed off on those rules that were given to us. Uh, those rules indicated that there would be no appeals following the procedure that are outlined by the county attorney. We stand by that. Uh, we're pleased to be here. I know it's a difficult decision, but um, but we appreciate the fact that you have to make it, and uh, and it really is in the best interest of Broward County that you make it today. So, so Mr. Platt, no, no, acknowledging no protest or appeal on this as well. No protest, no appeal. Thank you. Thank you, sir. In that case, Ms. Mayor, I would like now to make some brief remarks, which is um, I agree with what Commissioner Udine said. Um, honestly, I went in leaning somewhat towards Jacobs. I think that Hill actually today made a superior presentation uh, to Jacobs, but I don't know that that's enough. Um, I, what I liked about Jacobs was they're larger. Um, they uh, are located in Broward. They appear to have substantially more depth. What I liked about Hill and what I didn't like about Jacobs, what, there were two questions that I asked. One was about conflicts and candidly Hill was better on the conflict issue than the answer that we received from Jacobs, which was essentially, well, we're engineers and we'll act professionally, which 
you know, Hills was, hey, we only represent owners. Jacobs was, yeah, we represent both sides, but we wouldn't do anything. I'm paraphrasing. That would be unethical. So I preferred Hill's response on that. I also, uh, one of the concerns that I had was specifically on hot weather, you know, for buses, for trains, and Hill, at least in their response, indicated greater expertise. Um, so that's why I'm going to tell you how I am leaning by that much. But I, I promise you I'm going to be listening because I really can still be persuaded to change because right now I'm not quite at flip a coin, but almost 49.51. What the reason that right now I'm leaning by that much towards Jacobs is the statement that they made that they would have 53% of the work done in Broward. And I would remind, I want to be absolutely clear that, because I raised the question repeatedly to Jacobs that Google Cloud and Atkins are listed as, I can say this now, correct? Yes, this is an open meeting right. at, okay. at this point. Uh, are listed as Broward CBE, or listed as Broward-based firms. But if the work isn't done in Broward, then I would not consider that to be part of, of the work. And I asked the county administrator, and um, I spoke with Sandy Michael McDonald, who assured me if they were going to follow up to make sure that 53% or almost that, I can understand if there's an occasional thing that would have to go to uh, Atkins London office or Google California office, but if they're actually offering to do 50 or guarantee 53% of the work in Broward, I'm leaning towards them by that much based on the fact that there were things I thought Hill was better on. So I am, and I just want to remind everybody, most of what we were sent, or a lot of it, was about the appeal. And I hope nobody read that, because this is a de novo hearing. We are starting from the beginning. Is that correct? Uh, if, if it's okay, if I can turn it over to... Uh, uh, Oren, who can explain what the record consisted of, but but that the that side issue was not part of it. It's just, just the substance of it. But, but please, Oren. Is this de novo? Senator, it's de novo, but the record upon which you review the de novo is not just the presentations you've heard today. It's the initial submissions by the vendors, as well as all the other information in the record. Your decision is de novo. You don't have to rely on anything that's happened before in terms of the judgment. But when you make your judgment, you're free to rely on anything in the record to fill in those evaluation criteria that we discussed. Okay. And, and if I may say, so, you know, when, when we briefed everyone on this, uh, and I, just to make sure that maybe there was some confusion based upon things I've said, you know, there, the points are shown and the specific categories are shown. Uh, it's been pointed out again, they don't add up to 100% because some of the points are filled out mechanically by purchasing that, that you know, aren't discretionary. Those are the discretionary points. Th those, the categories and the points assigned to them are something that you need to be mindful of when you're determining your ordinal ranking. 
You don't need to come up with a number, 87 and a half or 83 points versus 82. It's one versus two, but you want to base it upon those factors, including the assigned weight given so we stick within the parameters of the procurement. Can you pass out another copy of that document with where the computer points or the assigned? I thought they were basically even on the computer points. These are, uh, who, um, I don't have a the, the document. Like yes, yes, I don't, no, I don't have that. No, 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 it does. The so, uh, right, the computer points were even. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Not, we're not talking about these, we're just talking about the right. ones that are assigned. Yeah, so, that's what I'm referring to. Yes, they were all even. He's ta he's, Drew, he's talking about the, the points given for local preference for business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Those were all even. Yes, so, all right, so it was just based on presentation, what's in the record, and the issue that was so controversial should not factor into this. That's right, and, and that's nowhere on this, right. this matrix that, that the evaluation committee used basically to score. You're looking at the same thing. You just don't have to actually come up with a, a score up to 85 or whatever it adds up to. You just need to say one or two, but based upon the parameter. Okay. In that case, Ms. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I have completed my remarks, but I hope okay. that other commissioners will give me their opinions because I promise you I'm that close and could easily change my mind based on debate that I hear. Okay. Anyone else? Anybody else want to speak? I just, we're not letting Steve off the hook. Let's vote. Okay. Well, I'll speak real quick. Um, when I when I had a chance to look over all the materials, I I was looking at that at this, and I was putting in my own numbers, and I went through every book and it, looking at approach the whole bit. Um, I actually, when I look back, I think that the original scoring was pretty accurate, and and I think I think in many ways. What we're gonna, what I'm, what I'm looking to do is really uphold what staff had put forward because I think they were right, and, and here's why. One, I think that the um, one you do have a lot of local um, based people, but it, but beyond that, I liked what I, I was looking at management style, and I was looking to see who was going to fit in with our team because that's what it comes down to. You know, you might have, to, and these both are great companies, but I'm looking to how it's going to how it's going to fit in, and I and I heard the word, I heard them wanting to empower our department. I heard them wanting to work collaboratively. I think those are very strong points that I think our staff want to hear. They want to hear that as well. I think the fact that they have a within their hierarchy, the, the it's called an SME panel, but it's a, it's a team of experts that they can go to. I think that's a, gr I think that's a good model. Uh, you know, that means you, you're going to always have, a, have a, some objectivity to be able to go to and to help build some strategy. I think the fact that they have the proprietary software for streetlights is big, and I don't think everybody realizes how, much, how important that is, because that's where you get a ton of data, and at your beck and call, for knowing where you're going to put bus routes, where you're going to be putting, um, you know, where people get picked up and, and all those different things. Where do you put the, down the fiber optics? All those kind of things. That's what the, that's the information you need for that. 
Um, and so for, the, for that, I think, uh, you know, I, I think staff in their initial evaluation was, was on top of it. And I think, I think uh, I, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to support what those, what those findings were um, because I think, I think they were right. They were the, their staff there is more in tune than we are in terms of going deep on, 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 on analyzing this. We may not be doing it point by point by point, but they did. And they took time. And I think they did a pretty good job of it. And, you know, when I, when I look at reflection, I, I agree. Hill did a very good presentation today. But, but the, um, the overall depth of, of Jacobs, I think, is what we want for the, the support team to get the surtax where we want it to be. And we, we, have, we, have, we have launched one of the most ambitious programs in the United States for surtax. We need the deepest bench we can get. We need the most, um, the most powerful tool, tool and people that we, can, that we can pull along with us that can, that can help us get where we want to go. So that's where I'm going to be. I'd like to speak, Mr. Vice Mayor. Okay. Mayor Rich? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a little different opinion. Um, I want to say that I, I agree that both of them could do this work. Um, I think that they both can fit in with our, with our staff, uh, with our department. The, the, the answers for me today were more relevant from Hill when it came to some of the issues that are, I think, very heavily specific to South Florida, Broward County, and things that we have been focusing on here. And the two that come to mind immediately are the, the specificity that Hill used when we talked and asked about, or when I asked about, transit-oriented development and affordable housing. And they went back and actually showed us projects that they had done uh, in different parts of the country. And uh, that really kind of spoke to me about their, their recognition of the importance of this. And we have all said, this is a very important aspect for us. The other one was the resiliency um, and, uh, um, and climate change. And, and again, there was a response about Houston. Um, there was not, not the same recognition of the challenges of Broward County, uh, I thought. So those are, those are things that were important to me. Both of those are very important. And as I said, I, I, either one I'm sure could do the job, um, but those are particular um, issues that resonate with me. And I also looked at, you know, at the, the level of experience and the commitment of some of the people from our from Broward County who are involved, and um, so I, I'm would I would come down on the side of Hill. What happened now? Hello. What happened now? Yes, it's. Uh What, 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 yeah, yeah. So it's the whoever has the the lowest total because one is the top ranked. What, vote, your top ranked firm put a one. Second ranked firm put a two. 
please remember to sign it. I think there's a place for a signature on there. Mr. Vice Mayor, if you could let, um, Mayor, can you hear us? Yes, Mayor, I can. Okay, so at this point. But I haven't heard a word about what, what you're doing right now. This People are not really talking into the mic. Your mic is not on, um, Vice sorry, Mayor. No, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I must not have had my mic on, Mayor. We are getting ready to vote, okay? okay. One, mm -hmm. you, one means you're ranking them one. Two means you're ranking them second. So you need to email, Mayor, if you would email your results yes. right now. We're to, sending that in right now. Okay, thank you. What's the date? Mayor Rich, who, who are you emailing it to? Connie. Connie. Constance. Con, Connie. Constance. Constance Mangan. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. And Mr. Mayor, while we're waiting, I just, I, I, I think it is the opinion of the commission that either one of these companies would have done an excellent job and that we would won't go wrong with either of them. Let's not do it again. Okay.
Good afternoon, Cut. or good evening, Vice Mayor, Mayor, and Commissioners. At this time, I'll read the totals for the rankings. Okay. Again, since this was a ranking, the lowest score is the number one ranked firm. For Hill International, 14, a ranking of two. For Jacobs Project Management Company, a uh, total of 10 for a ranking of one. Therefore, the rankings are first ranked firm is Jacobs, second ranked firm, excuse me, is Hill International. Thank you very much. We just have some uh, to go through the motions unless the board wants to okay. further discuss this. Oh, oh, pass it over to Orrin. Yeah, please. Orrin. Thank you. So uh, <laughs> on your agenda, the first motion would be a motion to waive the requirements of Section 21.42J of the Broward County Procurement Code based upon a determination that doing so would be in the best interest of the county in order to permit the board to rank the vendors by majority vote. That would be your first motion. Okay, I'll take a motion for that. So moved. Second. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Nan, did you get a chance to? Yes. Okay, yes. yes. Okay. So that is uh, eight to zero. Your second motion, Mr. Vice Mayor, is a motion to approve the final rankings for request for proposal RFP number TRN 212-576-4P1 vertical integrated program management consulting services for capital projects for the transportation department determined by the majority vote of the board of the firms in the following order the first rank firm jacobs project management and the second rank firm hill international okay i'll take a motion so moved second, second. I have a motion and a second all those in favor aye aye any opposed that passes eight to zero and with that i want to thank both teams for all the work they put in on this um, I think we would have been well served by either one and uh, hopefully uh, we end up having an incredible surtax plan that works for everybody okay I don't think there's anything else let me just ask anybody no not a, not agenda just to just to let you know that we start canvassing for the elections tomorrow the election cycle is open 
10 o'clock in the morning, we start for the municipal and presidential preference primary. So okay. I'll be there for the mayor sitting in tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Okay, great. Okay, I think we're done. We're adjourned.